spicy cameras today. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move-related show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show. Cody Fright here on my YouTube channel. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good things. And guys, it's Friday. It is Friday, right? Please, God, tell me it's Friday. It's, I can go it's down Friday. and get my theory. Hey, congratulations on making it through to the end of another week. May you guys have a wonderful weekend planned ahead of you, filled with relaxation and enjoyment, surrounded by friends or family, or perhaps some well-needed, deserved me time. Whatever you guys are doing, I hope you have a good time. And I'm joined here today by writer, director, producer, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, you know what? There's a new episode, actually two new episodes of Star Trek out. What a glorious <laughs> day. I don't care. Picard's been great. Uh, let me let me rephrase. I've seen the first episode of Picard, and I really liked it. I'm looking forward to seeing the second one. Also joining us, sitting right over here, is Mr. Ray Ora joining you guys in the live chat. Ray, how are you doing? Hey, good morning. It's good to have you. And of course, right beside him, Chris Carr is here. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing great. Gosh, I watched a great movie this morning. I'm excited about Picard too. I like this day. Today's it's good. a good day. And we're so glad you guys are joining us here. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, if you're watching live, and only if you're watching live, and if you've got a live comment or question you'd like us to read on the show, simply use the Super Chat feature in the YouTube live chat there. Uh, however, I will let you know, I'm only going to keep that feature turned on until we hit a certain number of them. Then I have to turn it off. So you've probably got another five or ten minutes to get one fired in there, if you so choose. Also, a little bit of housekeeping, guys, to remind you that if you need your daily fix of the John Campy Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're commuting or you're at work or whatever, good news, there's the audio-only version that we simply call the John Campia Show podcast. Just go on your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for the John Campia Show, and subscribe to it today so it's there when you need it. Also, we have a totally separate podcast feed for our new show, movie club it is up there go and search for the movie club podcast feed subscribe to it again so it'll be there when you need of course we just did uh what did we just do we just did uh the dark night dark night no no it was that the last one we did yeah dark night just did dark night we got five films up there now and we can tell you what the movie is the subject for our next movie club meeting on tuesday Tuesday at 4 p.m., our movie club meeting, your homework, everybody, to get caught up on and be ready to discuss is Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained. So Django Unchained is going to be the film for this upcoming week's movie club. We hope you guys get caught up on it. Watch it. Go back and rewatch it and come on in. Be ready to discuss it on Tuesday. And then we've got actually a bunch of weeks planned out ahead, but we'll tell you about those plans a little bit later on. All right, guys. With all that down, let's move on to some off-the-tops here, shall we? And our first off-the-top is this. Now, whenever you start talking about uh, movies, everybody loves talking about movies. When you start talking about the business of movies, sometimes people kind of tune out. But you got to understand that the business of movies is the, the mouth of the river that the ocean feeds all the goodness into the rivers, right? Like, that's where everything comes from. That's where everything starts and finishes it starts at the business end and sees where it goes down. And there's nothing in the entertainment industry right now on the business side that is as fascinating as the upcoming acquisition of Warner Media that is being taken over by Discovery. 
And there are a couple of interesting developments that have come out regarding that that I thought we should talk about here pretty quickly. First of all, it should be pointed out that really the last major hurdle for this acquisition has now been cleared. The Discovery shareholders, and this a lot of people saw this as a technicality, but the Discovery shareholders have now approved the $43 billion acquisition. Now, of course, the shareholders have to approve it because it's their effing money. So they got to say, yes, we approve this $43 billion takeover. And by the way, it is actually more expensive than $43 billion because they got to pay $43 billion to get the company, to get Warner Media. But in acquiring Warner Media, they're also taking on $45 billion of Warner Media's debt. That's how much they're in debt. So this is a huge financial commitment uh, coming from Discovery over that. And the last major hurdle has now been cleared. Now, this gives us a little bit of the outline as to what we're going to be getting. This is coming from Roddy Rights. Discovery Chief David Zaslav will serve as the president and CEO of the newly merged company. Of course, David Zaslav is the head of Discovery. So now he's going to become the head of everything. Uh, Warner Media Discovery with Warner Media CEO John Kalar or Jason Kalar expected to exit. Uh, Zaslav's first major hire for Warner Brothers Discovery was Chris Litch, who's going to be the new chief of CNN. Following the ousting of Jeff Zucker, we talked about that a little bit earlier. But this is where it gets really interesting. We're talking about the financials here. Because, Rob, you and I have talked about before the fact that right now, the way streaming works right now is not long-term sustainable. No. And, no, like financially, there every streaming company is heading towards a giant cliff financially. They're, do, they're all operating right now in massive spending that cannot last long-term. And they know that. But I think these numbers we're about to look at really give us kind of <laughs> rude awakening for just how bad the scenario really is. Oh, it's bad. It, it's, it's pretty bad right now. So we go back over here. We take a look at this. Listen to this. Discovery ended 2021 with $4 billion in cash on its books, and it generated some $2.4 billion in free cash flow for the year. You want to talk about the streaming networks that's actually doing it right and being the most financially successful? It's actually Discovery. But at any rate, Warner Brothers Discovery uh, will shoulder significant debt after the transaction is complete, with Discovery executives vowing to reduce the leverage ratio. Listen to this. Listen to what Warner Media's debt-to-revenue to ratio is. With um, uh, Discovery will shoulder significant debt after the transaction is complete, with Discovery executives vowing to reduce the leverage ratio from about 4.5 times earnings immediately after the deal closes to 2.5 to 3 times earnings within two years. At close of the Warner Media spinoff, AT&T expects to, re to recap $43 billion and the new Warner Brothers Discovery to assume up to $43 billion of additional debt. I said 45 earlier. I meant to say 43. AT&T aims to use the proceeds from the Warner Media spinoff to pay down net debt, which stood at $156.2 billion at the end of 2021. All right. Understand this. What they're saying is Warner Media is in debt 4.5 times to what their actual revenue is. And the first big goal of Discovery, which operates in the black, is saying, okay, we're going to get that down real quick. We're going to start by getting that down to 2.5 to 3 times, and then we will move on from there. Kind of highlighting why Zaslav 
I've been saying now that Big Papa Iger's out of the picture, Zaslav is the smartest guy in this business. When you look at the way that he runs Discovery and what he's done there and his already initial plans moving forward with what he's going to do with Warner Media and their whole debt situation, stuff like that. And we heard him talk about, we're not going to get in the spending wars, okay? We're going to be a successful streaming empire, but we're not going to get involved in the spending wars that everybody else seems to be getting into. Like, this dude's pretty damn brilliant. He's got his feet on the ground. But what gets more interesting, I think, for a lot of people is that Zaslav is already kind of putting together what's going to be his executive team. Now, as of right now, he cannot make any decisions for Warner Brothers. He cannot be involved in Warner Brothers in any way, shape, or form. Like I said, it's just now the his own shareholders even approved that they could take over the company, which I believe they said sometime in April or May this whole thing will be completed. But he's already starting to eye what the big senior staff management is. And I think for what a lot of film fans who keep a close eye on like Warner Bros and everything is what's going to happen with the people that they already have. Like what's going to happen with the people that are there right now. And I just want to find where I found this. Uh, where's this part I was looking for? Okay, here we go. This part is interesting because it speaks to a couple of things, including, you know, some people have been asking like, Oh, will, um, will discovery restore the Snyderverse and all that kind of stuff. I think we may actually have some insight here as to that. This is what Deadline is writing, and this is interesting. There are also going to be some significant incumbents to consider. Casey Bloys, who started at HBO in 2004, has been overseeing both HBO and HBO Max after the high-profile exits of Richard Felper and Kevin Riley three years ago, earning public shout-outs from Zaslav along the way. Now, Bloys, by the way, in all the criticism that I've leveled against you know, Warner Brothers' strategy of putting all their 2021 films on HBO Max, that was not HBO Max's fault. No. That was not them. And actually, this guy, Bloys, has been getting a lot of kudos from a lot of people about the way he has managed HBO Max in the last couple of years. So he's probably going to be somebody who's going to probably stay in charge of HBO Max. We'll see, though. Warner Brothers Pictures chief Toby Emmerich, this is where a lot more people get interested, has also been a canny survivor. Climbing the ladder, even as his former home, New Line, was summed into the Warner machine. In the final year of his current contract, he has more than a few hits to, to, to point to. Most recently, the Batman. Anne Sarnoff, chair and CEO of Warner Media Studios and Networks Group, uh, is newer to the fold by comparison, having joined Warner in 2019. She oversees a lot of the valuable turf across film and TV, especially with Warner still in the licensing game. So... The big head honcho of Warner Media, Jason Kalar, he's out. As soon as this merger finalizes, he's out. However, some of his top generals, Bloys, Emmerich, Sarnoff, there's a lot of whispers that Zaslav could absolutely keep them in place, at least for a while. Uh, Deadline also goes on to write, a grace period of some duration is likely to be extended to Sarnoff, Emmerich, and Bloys as the merger takes effect, according to multiple people involved in the del deliberations. So, Rob, you hear that these three are probably going to be sticking around with Kalar out. What does that tell you right away? Well, I've heard that it was Toby Emmerich's idea to do the HBO day and date thing because he was trying to ingratiate himself with an idea. Right. I heard differently, but I remember you had, but I don't know that my source was anymore. Yeah, yeah again, I don't yours, know. To be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like they said in this article that you just read, Toby Emmerich is a canny survivor. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people are, the writing's on the wall. The major studios, as they exist currently, are in the middle of major upheaval because streaming is now the final destination. That's where everybody's going to. That's where everything is moving to. 
all these movies, doesn't matter what, what movies are being made, whether they go theatrical or not, they all wind up on streaming. So ultimately, the streamers are where the power is moving to in Hollywood. So it's almost like a game of musical chairs. The studio executives, can they transition out of a movie studio over to a streamer? Are they going to be able to do that? It's going to be really interesting to see who survives all of this. And I'm curious. I mean, Toby Emmerich, maybe, because he has so many. If you look at Toby Emmerich's credits, if you go to the IMDb and look at it, he's got like over 100 credits. Even, I think, if memory served, he wrote the movie Frequency. The Dennis, really? I didn't know that. I think he did. I think he was. The, I think if memory serves that he was the screenwriter. Because that's actually a pretty good, pretty good movie. And, pretty it, good movie. and they turned it into a TV series. So, you know, um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But he's got like over 100 credits as a producer. Right. So he's running a studio. And so that's a guy. He's pretty formidable as far as it goes. And he's a survivor. So it'll be interesting to see what they so what they decide to do. I don't know if Ann Sarnoff's going to stick around. because She's only been there for th- three years. But we'll see. You know, she's a smart lady, too. So, And I think Zaz, because, you know, remember, Zaslav himself comes out of NBC Universal. So I think he's got a lot of respect for what they do over there. I also think it's interesting, you know, a lot of people have been wondering, and I only bring this up because I have gotten a lot of messages from people the last couple of days. Do you think this means, do you think Discovery will restore the Snyderverse and all that kind of stuff? You, you got to remember that the predecessors to Sarnoff and, and Kalar and stuff like that were the ones that greenlit the Zack Snyder Justice League which some people believe is part of the reason why they got canned and fired afterwards in the new regime that came in. So I look, who knows what the future holds, but I think anybody who's looking at Warner brothers movies in DC and wondering if discovery will restore the Snyderverse. I think that, I think the very fact that they're looking at keeping these people on pretty much points to no. it, it looks like whatever strategy they have right now, right. is Probably the one they're going to continue on with. What's so strange to me though, about people talking about restore the Snyderverse. Well, it never went away. Snyder's Aquaman. Yeah, the DCU's still here. Yes, yeah, Snyder's Aquaman went on. Snyder's Wonder Woman went on. Snyder's The Flash went on. So if you want to talk about the Snyderverse, what people really want to see is Zack Snyder coming back and finishing off his Which Justice some League. some people. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. And look, I'm a huge fan of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I, I really quite enjoyed enjoyed it compared to what we, what we got. And I would love to see him finish off that story, but... People don't realize he's moved on to Netflix. He's got a sweet deal over there. They he's making Rebel Moon, this big sci-fi epic, you know, in the Star Wars vein. Why would why would he come, why would you want him as a creator to come back to Warner Brothers, a place that didn't exactly treat him well, where he's got a new place where he's making new original IP and he did Army of the Dead. He's doing Rebel Moon. I mean, I would be happy for where he's at now because we're gonna get something new and unique. Isn't that cool? I, I- I still think Zack Snyder's Justice League is okay. I mean, it's definitely better. It's definitely better than the theatrical. Yeah, I, mean, I, it's like, not a, so. I like the theatrical version. I do. I like the theatrical. I have I have no qualms about that. I like the theatrical version. I think Snyder's version is better. But people underestimate his best movie. Well, yeah. Zack Snyder's you and I are, You and I are both. That's, it, the, that's the Zack Snyder film people sleep on. We're right totally there. Compatico. Why there is not another Superman movie is beyond it's, me. I mean, it's one of my great heartbreaks that we have, we don't have a mass deal to. Anyway, Chris, there's a lot of information dump here. I mean, number one, you know, the way they're moving, the very fact that Zazab is saying Warner Media is going to be more financially responsible. He's already said he's very dedicated to theatrical to the theatrical industry. He he believes movies and theaters, then put it on streaming, all that kind of stuff. Looking at the way he's approaching this and the fact that it sounds like from these reports, he's looking at keeping at least the top generals mm-hmm. at Warner Brothers on board. What are the first impressions that you have from this story? I mean, this all sounds very good. 
but we have to see how everything pans out, right? Because right. everything right, sounds good. Exactly. And, and you know, a deal is only as good as it's written on paper. A deal is only as good as it's actually executed. And so that's what it's all going to come down to. I like that we're not doing a big shakeup. I like that we're taking, uh, you know, a, a kind of slow and steady approach to everything, making sure that we've got all of our ducks lined up in a row. Oh, sorry, John, I knocked my camera before. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a lot of finesse. I don't know if everyone knew that. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, I'm not informed enough on the ins and outs of this deal to have a hard opinion. As of right now, it's kind of a wait and see thing for me to see how everything pans out. All right, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? I mean, I guess I, I understand the business side of thing isn't the thing that gets everybody a hard on, but like to <laughs> me, it's incredibly fascinating stuff. The stuff that goes on behind the scenes, this is incredibly important stuff that results in what we will or will not see on the screens a little bit later on. How do you guys feel about the story? Whatever it is, jump on down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top here, shall we? And that one is this. You know, one of my unabashedly favorite movies of the last year or so, last two years, is Ryan Reynolds' Free Guy. I... Love this movie so much. Ray, I know you finally, you were counting down the days, Ray. Yep. Counting down the days till it finally came out for, to, for people to watch and you watch it. You liked it, right? Yeah, I loved it. So, I mean, it's it's just a grand, wonderful movie. Absolutely love it. And it was directed by Sean Levy. Now, Sean Levy also just directed uh, Ryan Reynolds in The Adam Project, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. But he has also worked with Hugh Jackman. Sean Levy has also worked with that because I believe he directed Real Steel, did he not? I believe Sean Levy directed, he did. directed Real Steel. Plus, Hugh Jackman had a cameo in Free Guy. Plus, Hugh Jackman had a cameo in Free Guy that nobody knew about yeah. until after the fact. So, a lot of people for the last... The best thing on the internet for the last five years has been this fake feud between Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. What's fake? <laughs> I know, right? What? But it has absolutely been the best thing on the internet is, is these guys. And a lot of people wondering, are we going to see Deadpool have a movie where Wolverine shows up as Hugh Jackman. Are we going to see Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds together? Well, according to Sean Levy, the answer to that is, yeah, you're going to see them. Sean Levy is saying that he, he says, I'm not going to say what or where, but you're going to see Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman in a movie together. This comes to us from Sean Levy himself. If I can find the damn quote, I lost the quote. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, Kevin Fine, that'd be a nice dream. I lost the quote. There it is. Okay. While Reynolds and Jackman have already worked together in the much maligned X-Men Origins Wolverine, which wasn't a bad movie in parts, and then in some parts one I of like the worst. the first 20 minutes a lot. I, yeah, I like the first bit. I like the first bit of the movie, and then it really falls apart. Anyway. I have a great much, from that, though. In the much maligned X-Men Origins Wolverine film, the closest thing to reunion was Wolverine's brief cameo in Deadpool 2. Uh, Sean Levy, the director of Reynolds' upcoming Netflix film, The Atom Project, which once again we'll talk about in a bit, teased that he would love to bring the pair together, and this is what he said. I am not going to say where and how, but I absolutely will confirm that it is my intention and determination to be the lucky son of a bitch who puts those two magnificent gods on the same movie together. Once again, he's saying, I am not going to say where or how, but I will absolutely confirm that my intention and determination uh, is to be the lucky son of a bitch who puts those two magnificent gods in the same movie together. That comes to us from Sean Levy. Now, I listen. This is far from a 
green light from a studio that this thing's going in production. But I do think it's interesting that Sean Levy used those that terminology. Because I will confirm for you, it is absolutely my intention to get these two in a movie together. And Sean Levy is a guy with some clout in the business right now. A lot of the movies that he wants to get made will get made. And so it starts to bring up the question. Do people, number one, want to see Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman in a movie together? Yes, they do. People absolutely want to see it. Now, I think if you ask 90% of the people, what movie do you want to see them in together? They're going to see Dead as Deadpool and Wolverine. But I absolutely guarantee you put them in anything together, people will line up. So what should they be in together? And I've got the pitch for you guys. And I'm sure Ray will give us a pitch of his own. But here's mine. I absolutely believe that you make a rom-com, all right, of this. Here's a simple premise. Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman are battling it out for the affections of the same woman. You make that movie, which has been done a hundred times, absolutely been done a hundred times. I'm not saying it hasn't, but you make that movie. You just think of the possible, you think of the hour and 42 minutes of banter you could have between Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. Now the other obvious choice, which I have advocated for many times and I don't know why Hollywood hasn't done it yet. They should. A face-off reboot. <laughs> you do face-off reboot with instead of Nick Cage and John Travolta, you have Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. That, you might as well just print the check for $2 billion right now. That becomes an all-time classic up there with Casablanca, Citizen Kane, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Face off the reboot. It'll be up there with some of the great names. I know, Rob. How do you number one, perfection. <laughs> I mean, yes, right. <laughs> so, Rob, let me ask you this. Number one, uh, look, I, I think the public wants this. Sean Levy says he's committed to getting this done. Do you think Sean Levy's going to actually be able to get this movie pulled together, whatever that movie's going to be? And if so, what kind of movie do you think that could end up being? Well, I think he absolutely could pull that off. I mean, you know, he's not just a prolific director, but he's also a producer. He's one of the guys behind Stranger Things. So he's he's a he's a mover and shaker, John. He can get things done. As for the kind of movie, um, uh, I would say put them in a remake of Wong Kar Wai's Happy Together. <laughs> oh my God, I know, that's right? A deep cut. Uh, it's a deep cut, but people are going to be like, what are you saying, Rob? I know, I know, I'm kind of kidding, kind of, because I don't think anybody should remake a Wong Kar Wai movie. But that said, uh, put him in an erotic thriller. I like the idea of making it a rom-com, but what about like a body heat-esque, really dark noir where these two guys are competing for the soul of the woman they both love, but turn it into something that's really, really dark with murder and duplicity and but is that what the audience wants to see like do you like you find like a Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds don't they want to don't they want to go and have a lot of fun with it and see I think it could be fun with it you know watching these two guys who basically wind up trying to kill each other yeah, over but you're a woman. the guy with the basic instinct one six figures yes right that's, that's <laughs> one quarter scale dude one over there one quarter, quarter scale. scale oh it's even more serious yeah, than yeah, I thought come on come on no that's yes I would like to and Paul Verhoeven should direct it <laughs> Even though Sean Levy wants to direct, let Sean Levy direct. But All right, Chris, I mean, you hear about this. Hugh Jackman, number one, do you think this is a movie that could be pulled together? Would the audience still be interested if it's not Wolverine and and, uh, and Deadpool? And what kind of movie? Like, you're in charge of the studio. 
What movie do you want them to make? I mean, one, everyone would watch this because how many times will we watch an aviation gin commercial just to see the two of them go back and forth and, you know, snipe at each other? All I want from them, y'all remember the movie Just Friends? Oh, uh, I love Just Friends. I love Just Friends. It's on my Christmas rotation. With Amy Smart. He Amy does it with Amy Smart, yeah. right? I love that movie. It's such a great underrated movie. When I got my wisdom teeth out, my mom recorded me singing I Swear, just like Ryan Reynolds did. Hmm. Um, but so all I want is Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds to fight each other the way that Ryan Reynolds fights his brother in that movie. <laughs> I just want them slapping the shit out of each minute. other Who played and being his brother so mean. Again? I can't remember, but he's great. <laughs> and uh, by oh. the way, you, you were singing one of the songs. Mm -hmm. Every I don't know why, every once in a while, and I probably even get the words wrong, mm -hmm. I start singing um, Anna Ferris's. Forgiveness uh, it's more than saying sorry. sorry. I don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't know why every once in a while I catch myself. Uh, Ray is not impressed. She's so good in that one. <laughs> I like, no, Anna Ferris is great. Amy Smart. Ryan Reynolds is so good in that movie. It's such a good movie. But I want, I want that level of just like bickering and slapstick. I think that'd be super fun for these two to just play off of each other in something like that. I got it. Uh -oh. I got it. This okay. is a million dollar idea right here. Okay. Both of them are assassins, right? But Ryan Reynolds is like the lower sort of uh -oh. assassin. Like he, had, Hugh Jackman seems to get the job done way faster than he does. They've never met, and they're sent to the same job, and they get stuck at an airport. <laughs> All the flights are down. Oh my god! And then they both start realizing, oh, that's the other guy that's been trying to steal my job. Whatever. But then what does Stanley Catherine Tucci Zeta play in this? Yeah, <laughs> Catherine Zeta Jones, who's a flight attendant, comes But anyways, it's gonna be great. Terminal two starring Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman. Let's go. Where anyway, is, guys. Where does Tom fit into the movie. Yeah, I mean it just sounds like it writes itself. And what's Tom Hanks? Is he gonna play the airport controller guy? This Tom time? Hanks is not involved. He's his his time or in the still live at the yeah, he's same still airport the same character. Still. He yeah. He still lives you know. there. Still is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Sean Levy is saying it is he is absolutely confirming that it is his intention to make this movie. Do you think it can happen? If so, are you interested in it? If so, what kind of movie do you think it should be? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Hey, guys, we want to take a minute and thank the sponsor of today's video, the good folks at Keeps. Now look, you guys probably already know that two out of every three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're just 35 years old. Now that's where Keeps comes in because Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. That means the guys that use it love it. Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair. It's also low cost. Treatments start as low as just $10 per month, and Keeps offers generic versions for the two FDA-approved medications to prevent hair loss. That means treatment plans are affordable, typically half the cost of pharmacy prices. Keeps has everything your hair needs delivered straight to your door with discreet packaging and proven results. Remember, prevention is the key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so the sooner you act, the better. When it comes to your hair, save more, spend less with Keeps. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps, that's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Campia to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's Keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Campia to get your first month free. 
keeps.com slash camp. And thank you to the good folks at Keeps for being a sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, the link is right down in the description of this video. Go click on it, use it, make sure you use that promo code Campia. It supports them and it supports our show. All right, guys. With all that down, let's go on to our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campy Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover here as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first one is from Eric Vanderholt. Hey, John, my body is so ready for the return of the boys. It's <laughs> honestly been a top five show for me for the last few years. Wondering if you saw the new poster that just came out. It's got Billy with glowing eyes and a caption that says, soon it'll be time to level the playing field. This has me completely excited. The idea of seeing Billy and Homelander maybe actually going head to head is enough to make my head explode. What do you think? <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And yeah, listen, I have an irrational love of this show, <laughs> The Boys. Like there was a stretch there where I felt like The Boys, in no particular order, The Boys, Doom Patrol, and Umbrella Academy were like the three best things on TV. I, I love that. I thought they were definitely the three best comic book based things on TV and none of them were of the major character. None of them were major comic book characters of any of them. Right. And I love the show, particularly the boys. I remember, first of all, I was taken with the boys episode one as Huey's walking down the street sidewalk with his girlfriend and all of a sudden she just explodes and you realize a superhero, a speedster, a train had just literally run right through her. And I remember being so shocked in that moment because I wasn't really sure what to expect. I mean, I'd read the graphic novel. I didn't know what they're going to try to do. I didn't read all the boys, but I read like that first season worth. I didn't know what they were going to do. And that body exploded. I'm like, oh my God. And then I just got really into the show. But once they got to the episode, like halfway through season one with the airliner, with the, the airplane, with Maeve and Homelander on the airplane, I just remember thinking this is one of the actual most emotionally moving episodes of TV I'd ever seen. Like I was just like, oh my God, like that the, the way they set up that entire thing. That's what this show is. It's this incredibly vulgar thing on its surface. But once you crack the shell and look beneath the surface, it's like Shakespearean drama and tragedy and character stuff just made up in this veneer of this totally bonkers, vulgar, you know, raunchy kind of thing. And it's absolutely brilliant. Season two came, didn't lose a beat. I absolutely love season two. And so I have been dying for season three to get here. Of course, we all love Carl Urban. But now it looks like we're getting a little bit more. We're getting a little bit more. This comes just from the folks at Screen Right the following. The boys have started hyping up the upcoming season in earnest, now releasing a poster that hints at a major twist could be on the way. The poster finds Billy Butcher with glowing eyes, ooh, um, giving the impression that he has heat vision powers just like Homelander. The tagline that accompanied it reads, soon it'll be time to level the playing field. This poster for The Boys Season 3 alludes to a major twist from the comics. In order to, well, level the playing field between themselves and the soups, 
they wish to take down, Butcher and the boys take Compound V to give themselves superpowers. It hasn't been clear yet if the boys' TV show will adapt that storyline, and this is the first major clue that it might. So the poster in question that we're looking at, again, this is uh, coming to us from the folks over at Screen Rant. Billy Butcher got the eyes going. And all I can think of when I see this is that how badly would I love, this is kind of like Injustice Gods Among Us, where you can have, you know, Harley Quinn fighting Wonder Woman because they all took that same little bone density muscle increasing pill. So they're all, that's what I kind of get the vibes of, of this. I would love to see Billy Butcher and Homelander actually throwing down. Now, they got to do something, too, because in this world where really just the only thing you have to do to get superpowers is to pop Compound V, I hope they do something to mitigate that a little bit because that seems kind of silly in a way. But um, I'm dying for this season to come out. And by the way, their whole marketing thing with their, what's the Voight News Network? That's been, they've done some great stuff with that. They've been doing it for like a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been great. It's been so original. Very cool. By the way, there's some other The Boys News where, of course, they've got the uh, the boys' superhero university spinoff series coming, and they just lost their two leads. So the two leads just left that. But that, that's a story for another time, I think. But still, getting back to the boys, the proper main series, this sounds amazing to me. Rob, you saw the image. You've read. You've probably read more of the graphic series than I have. Yeah. Where do you think this is going, and where's your anticipation level like for this? Well, I think they definitely are going to delve into that storyline. Obviously, I think the poster confirms that. And I uh, like you. I love the boys. I mean, I even people said, well, season two wasn't as good as season one. Well, I thought it was. I thought I, I enjoyed it. And I, I thought the freshness might not have been there, but I really liked uh, Stormfront. I loved everything that went on in season two. And, you know, uh, I I think the show's great. I love all the actors. And uh, our, ho- our own Homelander got into a little trouble recently. Yeah. But uh, over in Spain. But, you know, hey. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? But I, I I'm really looking forward to this, and I think I think that I would love to see Butcher and Homelander flying through the skies, pounding on each other. By the way, a little bit of a connection here. Our own Aaron Cummings came very close to being Maeve, Queen Maeve, and the boys. And I only found this out recently. Her <laughs> husband Tom, I believe, got into the final rounds of being Homelander. What? Yeah. Now I think they ended up. I I think who they great ended up casting, with was yeah. great yeah but i mean like just a little connection there with uh with Aww. their own john Camby show anyway chris i know you are a big fan of the boys mm-hmm. where's your anticipation level like right now for the season and what do you think about the images we're getting i'm so freaking hyped for this because i i saw the very first episode of the boys like six months before everyone else mm. and i just had to sit there and wait after seeing that first episode seeing a train just plow through that woman right and be like oh, what i need to see this whole show I'm so, so hyped. And I love how this adaptation has deferred from the comics. They've taken a lot of the storylines and made them better, frankly. I agree. It's such a good example of how you can really elevate from your source material. Because usually adaptations, you know, we're going to miss something. We're going to feel a little like, oh, this isn't like my comic. This is one where it really, really took that source material and just oomphed it up so, so well. Um, I am interested to see how the powers kind of pan out for everyone because it looks like we're getting more than just the kind of durability and everything that we see in the comics um you know usually it's focused kind of on we huey's experience with everything with the uh the compound v injections and mother's milk already kind of had compound v powers 
So it's interesting to see how that'll plan, pan out too. But mostly I wanna dive into Billy grappling with the moral dilemma of having power. His own code. Yeah. Do you break your own code to avenge your wife? <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and I'm so excited that maybe he has the same powers as Laser Baby. That's neat. Yeah, I wonder maybe that's where he, I mean, that's kind of the, right? Because that's kind of the iconic image. They even did it in the short animated stuff. Like, yeah. They went back to Laser Baby again. So we'll have to see. All I know is that I am super excited for this. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about these images and the direction the boys could go? Have you even been watching the boys? If so, what do you think of it? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Chris, what is our second main topic today? This is from Stubble McShave. Deadline reported that Austin Butler is in negotiations to play Fade Rutha in Dune 2. I think it's a good choice, and he resembles the book version of Fade, who's supposed to be the same age as Paul, with a similar look. It will be interesting to see these two up-and-coming Hollywood A-listers squaring off in Dune. What are your thoughts on Austin as Fade Rutha? And, uh, Routha, excuse me. And do you think he may be a big star in the coming years uh, with roles as Elvis and Fade Routha paving his path? All right, thanks a lot for writing that in, man. And yeah, actually, the, the Dune stuff is heating up now and getting pretty damn exciting because we just found out the other day that Florence Pugh was going to be praying, playing the princess of the universe, basically. In that, it's Which was incredibly exciting to hear. And now Austin Butler. You know, Rob, I think you and I were having lunch yesterday and we were starting to talk about it. it feels like in Hollywood every once in a while bunch of Hollywood execs get together and say, let's pick a random name, and that person's going to be the hottest thing in Hollywood for the year. And it feels like Austin Butler's name just got drawn because he just became, first of all, his role, which wasn't massive, but his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. He was so good in that. He was, he was, his character was actually one of my favorite things about that movie. I thought he was great in that. But... His turn is Elvis and that Elvis trailer. Like, you don't want to overemphasize trailers, but I feel like that trailer made Austin Butler a star. Yeah. Right? Just the trailer I, made him a star. I don't think you're wrong there. I think that people, you know, it's funny because Elizabeth, she's always going, well, he doesn't look exactly like Elvis. And I'm like, well, Elvis, is, he looks, he's, but he's redolent of Elvis. Like, you look at the movie and it's like, it, yes, I can believe that character is Elvis Presley. And he looks to be amazing in that film. And yeah. he really sings. And then when you find out it's actually him doing the singing in it as well, it's like amazing. And then sure enough, not long after hearing about that, we find out he's going to be Sting. <laughs> he's going to be Sting. The same I will character. kill him. The, the, yeah, I will kill him. The same character that Sting played in that original Dune movie, that's who he's playing. Big, really big antagonist of it from the family Harkonnen. I've always said Harkonnen, but but apparently it's they, Harkonnen. It, they but. say Harkonnen, but the, the they say Harkonnen in, in David Lynch's Dune. Right, but and then they, they kind Harkonnen of change the pronunciation it, to Harkonnen. Yeah, I've always yeah. said Harkonnen. Anyway, he's playing a villain. All I see is an Atreides I want to kill. <laughs> And now he's going to be playing a villain, which I think is amazing because a lot of stars today, they either play heroes or villains or whatever. And he's going, he's going to be playing Elvis. Now he's going to be playing that. I mean, I think this sounds great and very exciting for it. Rob, I know you've always been super interested in all things Dune. What do you yeah. think about this casting? Well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because 
<laughs> if you watch the David Lynch version of Dune, there's characters that the movie starts with, like the Padishah Emperor and like Princess Irulan and like Fade Rautha that don't appear in, in the first half of Denis Villeneuve's Dune. So it's going to be neat to see all these characters uh, be in Dune 2 because that becomes a big, a big point, obviously. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing the... I don't know who they're going to cast as the Emperor as Florence Pugh's father, but it's going to be really interesting. And I, I think this is great casting. I mean, Denis Villeneuve, these, the cast of the original, the first, his first Dune, he, he's, he has access to any talent he wants. Yeah. And it's great. I'm so there for it. I can't wait. And you know what's interesting, too, is when you look at the earlier iterations of Dune, whether you're looking at the TV miniseries or the movie, like these are characters who get brought in, whether you're talking about the princess, Fade, um, the Emperor. These are characters that have been introduced a lot earlier on, whereas Denis Villeneuve made the creative choice that we're not even going to see them in the first film. How big of a role do you think, like how much of the screen do you think these three characters in particular are going to take well, they don't, the second uh, one? I don't know. I mean, the Princess Irulan, her part to play is, is more extensive as we further, as we move along in the mythology, like through the other books. But um, I think they're going to probably have a pretty substantial part. I mean, they've got to set up They've got how I think they needed more of the Baron in the like in the first movie because stars selling Skarsgård was so good. I want to see more of him. Give me more of the Harkonnens, and Fade would be a part of that. So I'm in. Count me in, man. Chris, I know you know you were saw this. And I know this was very interesting to you. Mm -hmm. Number one, what do you think about the casting? How big of a role do you think they're gonna have it play in the second film? I mean, regardless of what it was in the previous ones, and how are you feeling about it in general? Oh, Denis is just collecting fellows with nice cheekbones. Golly, <laughs> the cheekbones in this movie. Um, I'm excited about this. I'm really happy that Austin Butler's having a moment. I I've said it before on here. I know people don't like it that much, but I enjoyed Shannara Chronicles. I thought it was fun. <laughs> No, I, I, I like had it a too. good time watching those shows and I really like him and I'm I'm so glad he's getting more prestigious roles. I think that's really, really great for him. Uh, again, time will tell though if he's the right casting. I gotta see him in the movie. I can like the kid all I like. I say kid, I think he's the same age as me. I, I could like him all I like, but I wanna I wanna see how he fits into this film and what Denise created already. Um, and I don't have much to compare it to because I did not see the original Dunes. I didn't see Sting. What? So, I know. We're not missing a lot. No, no. Honestly, you're not really missing. I mean, well, Ron, it's disappointed me. Well, no, no. It's 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 the thing is, John's not wrong. Okay. <laughs> I mean, dude's kind of a mess. And um... do you know, Anne, my, my wife Anne, had never seen anything Dune, knew anything about Dune, and her first exposure to anything Dune was when we went to go see Denis Villeneuve's movie. And she recently. loves it. She freaking love it. she put it on every because it was on hbo max for a little bit she watched it every day i'm not kidding she put it on and watched it every day and then she she had ordered and finally just got she's been reading the last couple of nights now she's reading the dune books and like she's devouring the books and getting all into it there too so she oh she's gonna seen, love the books she hadn't seen logan in almost three years and at the movies she just goes hey did you like Dune? <laughs> was that her first thing? And, and says it like that. And he was, yeah, I did a lot. And she's, okay, we're cool. And then he goes back. Like, he okay. back and he was like, okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're still cool, Anne. All right. All right, we're good then. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this addition to the new Dune movie? We already had Florence Pugh. Now we've got Austin Butler coming out of the Elvis thing, playing a really fascinating character. Do you like the casting? Were you looking for somebody else? Where's your expectation level right now for Dune 2? Whatever you guys think, jump on down to the comment section below 
and let us know your thoughts. Hey guys, we want to take a second and thank a sponsor of today's video, the good folks at Manscaped. You know, I was in the shower the other day and I looked down and I thought, my goodness, the boys look fantastic. Dr. Jack Hammer, the amazing Mr. Fantastical, have never looked or felt better. And that is in part due to our friends at Manscaped. Because our friends at Manscaped are the global leaders in below-the-waist hygiene and are turning men's shower dreams into their favorite routine with the all-new Ultra Premium Collection. This all-in-one hygiene skin and hair bundle is designed to upgrade the everyday man's shower routine from head to toe. Your skin, hair, and balls deserve the best my friends you start off using the cologne infused ultra premium body wash with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean and moisturized all day then boom it's time to take care of your hair simply apply the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner that cleanses and nourishes your hair all in one step then once you dry yourself off and hop out of the shower it's time to protect yourself from body odor by applying the manscaped aluminum free deodorant and do you have tattoos or any dry skin a lot of us do it's time to hit your skin with the hydrating body moisturizer spray. Cap it all off by applying some Manscaped lip balm. And then last but not least, we're moving on to the Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer to clean off any unwanted body hair. So guys, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Campia. That's C-A-M-P-E-A at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code Campia at manscaped.com. And a big thanks to our friends, my friend and yours, over at Manscaped for being a sponsor of the John Campia Show. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one comes from Joker's Makeup Guy. <laughs> Good afternoon, team, the John Campia Show. Bob Iger was always very careful about keeping families a high priority for everything Disney did. He did not... Oh... He's, He's not, not there anymore, and it didn't take long for them to take the R-rated Netflix MCU shows and move them over to Disney+. Plus. I love these shows, so I don't care. Well, I guess a few family and parent groups are slamming Disney now for doing it. What are your thoughts, and do you think enough pressure could come, up, could come that, that would make Disney change course? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, so one of the big stories, particularly in the world of streaming and everything over the past number of weeks, was the fact that... Disney Plus announced that they would be bringing over the Netflix, the R-rated or TVMA uh, Netflix Marvel series over to Disney Plus. Now, this was a little bit of a surprise because some people, myself included, kind of thought that, yeah, Disney would take control of these series again, but they would put them on Hulu. I mean, that's what Hulu's there for. That's why it's there, to put that more edgier adult rated kind of stuff and, and put that on there keep disney plus more family rated but they decided they were going to put on disney plus they were going to revamp their their uh parental controls new password mandates and all that kind of stuff and for the most part people were a lot of fans were pretty happy with it because they love those shows although let's be honest anybody who loves those shows already had netflix so they already they're in the last number of years they've always had access to these shows it's not like these access these shows are suddenly accessible to everybody oh, right they were always accessible but still it was met with a lot of good positive reception from a lot of people but i'm not gonna lie i was surprised to hear about it too especially consider considering disney had always been very 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 cautious about safeguarding their relationship with as being a family brand and families well, it didn't take long 
because now some family organizations are kind of coming out that have been longtime allies of Disney are now coming out and bashing them for the decision to put this content on Disney+. Plus. And I suppose we shouldn't be surprised. Anyway, this comes to us from Variety, right? The following. Uh, the parent, the parents television, uh, what is, what is PC thing stand for? The parents television council, the, yeah, the parents television and media council, the PTC warned Disney that streaming these series would destroy your brand for more than 98 years. The Walt Disney company has been synonymous with the words family friendly. And I can think of no other corporation in American history that has been built more squarely on the backs and on the wallets of parents and families. Tim Winter, president of the Parents Television and Media Council said in a statement, the company's uh, eponymous platform, Disney Plus, logically marketed itself as a family-friendly streaming service and parents have placed their trust in Disney to deliver just that. It seems wildly off-brand for Disney Plus to add TVMA and R-rated programming to its platform, ostensibly to increase subscription revenue. And that comes to us from the folks over at Variety. Now, I know what a lot of people are, are going to say. Everybody thinks they're edgelords and they're the cool thing, the cool thing to say, no, nah, F that. But, but there is... Could use the word edgelord. <laughs> yeah, there well, That's is. one of my favorite modern meme <laughs> the terms. Word edgelord. But the reality is, whether you like it or not, there are kernels of truth in what the guy said. In, in the sense that he's saying, look, Disney has built itself and become an empire because it has built itself on families and family experiences and being family friendly. And you're a moron if you don't acknowledge that that is absolutely correct. That is how Disney has built its empire is on that, is on, as they put it so graphically, on the backs and on the wallets of, uh, of family content, right? And he's not wrong when he says that that putting things that have a TMM, the TVMA rating on Disney Plus is off-brand. I think, I think even those of us who are most enthusiastic about this move acknowledge, yep, that is pretty off-brand. That, that is a pretty different move. And I think for some of these people, it becomes a little bit confusing. It's like, well, what, why for do you have Hulu? I mean, Hulu's right there. That's why you have this. That's why you have Hulu there. Just put it on there. Now, internationally in other countries... Hulu's already kind of incorporated and its content is already incorporated through the star arm and things like that. And so this is kind of like a non-news issue for a lot of people that live internationally. But in the States, it's it's kind of a big deal. And yeah, I, I have very little doubt that if Bob Iger were still the CEO of Disney, this would not be happening right now. I think you would see absolutely Disney content coming over because Bob Iger always said he was absolutely 100% intent on reclaiming all of Disney's IP. But I think he probably would have put it on, over onto Hulu, that being as it is. Guys, hearing some parent groups coming up, first of all, I have deep affection and respect for parent and family council groups. I do. I absolutely do. <laughs> come on. None of us are surprised. None of us are surprised that some family groups have come out to decry this move and stuff like this. As far as the question goes about whether they are going to bring enough pressure to bear to make Disney change course, absolutely not. I mean, I, I think the people at Disney, Bob Chapek and others, they knew there was going to be pushback. I think they absolutely knew there was going to be pushback. So it's not like they made the move and are going, wait, wh what? Some family groups didn't like that move? We had no idea. They knew. 
they knew and they decided to make the move anyway. So they're totally comfortable with their decision here. For me, I think if I was in charge, I probably would have had this stuff go on Hulu. But like I said, when they made the initial announcement, if they are going to put in some reliable safeguards on Disney Plus that gives the parents the tools to restrict what their kids can and cannot see on Disney Plus, then I honestly don't see what the problem is. I, I, I really don't. Because here's the thing. If your kid is smart enough to figure out how to usurp your parental controls and your passwords and what you do, then guess what? Your kid's smart enough to figure out how to access Hulu. <laughs> so if Disney had put all this stuff on Hulu, guess what? Your kid would have figured out a way to watch it there too. So I get their concern. I do. If I was in charge, I also would have put it on Hulu. But if they're putting these safeguards in place, then there's really no difference between that and it being on something else that your kid could access anyway. So I don't know. I think they just got to see where it goes. Chris, I mean, like, again, what he said is true. Disney is built upon being a brand identified as being family friendly for Mm -hmm. the whole family. This does seem a little bit off brand. But do they have valid concerns or do you think that the precautions they're putting in place is enough for those concerns? I, I don't have kids. I am not a parent. So this very, very judgy statement I'm about You're to make. You're kind of like our mom, though. I, <laughs> <laughs> Chris Carr, the Internet's just, mom. I feel it. I feel that way. That's why I don't need to have my own. There's so many already. <laughs> right here. But so, like you were saying, your kids are going to figure it out. If they can already jump on Hulu and watch this, they're going to. You know what you should do instead, parents? Maybe communicate with your own kid. Maybe have a conversation with them. Maybe talk about things that you do or do not want them watching. Maybe have a conversation about these shows they are interested in. It's not a company's decision or a company's responsibility to make sure your children are not exposed to the vast catalog of their content. That is up to you. That's just, that's not what a business needs to do. (laughs) And I think it's ridiculous. I also, I mean, I'm one of those people too, where if I'm, I've been at a, a bar before and people brought a kid in and they've been like, hey, could you guys stop talking so loud about that thing that you're talking about? ma'am, you just brought your child to a bar. And if you hear a couple, you know, F-bombs, I feel like we're in the right environment. Are you? It is your choice to expose yourself to that. Wouldn't this, though, be more like a parent brings their kid into a Chuck E. Cheese? Because isn't Disney, isn't Disney Plus in this point kind of portrayed itself up to this point more like a Chuck E. Cheese than Moe's Bar and Tavern? I mean, that's fair. (laughs) But if we already have the parental control options that put these over here so that, you know, I can go get my Flamin' Moe's, right? I can go get that flaming drink at Universal Studios (laughs) and tear it up. Well, your kid goes and looks at some fake raptors. You know, (laughs) we can have the best of both worlds here. And it's your responsibility to make sure that your kid isn't exposed to things that you don't want them to be exposed to. And also, y'all, dollars to donuts, they are hearing worse things at school. All right. Rob, I mean, I I, I get it. Disney has portrayed Disney Plus as a family-friendly, family-safe haven. But if they have adequate parental controls, it's no more difficult for a kid to get access to Hulu than it is for this area. I don't know. Look, again, I think it'll be the cool thing to just bash on everything that guy just said, but I do think he raises some valid points to be considered. I just think Disney has addressed those concerns. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, I would first look at your child's browser history before you complain about <laughs> Just don't look at Rob's. Just don't look at Rob's. What's that one thing with that saying? The, how do you? The, what's the definition of a best friend? 
The best friend is the guy, if you die in a car accident, immediately goes to your house and erases your browser history. Yes, that's that's a, the definition that's of a friend. best friend. That is true. But look, I, I think that on like you, John, I think the guy does have a point. You know, it's Disney's brand. But on the other hand, this is a paid service. Yes. You know, if you if you were bringing Disney Plus and, and I think that Disney Plus is a great service. I love Disney Plus. But but the guy has a point, you know, if, if kids are going to watch. I mean, frankly, if I was eight or nine years old and my dad told me I couldn't watch Daredevil, even if it was R rated, I'd be pissed. Well, and it would only make you want to watch Daredevil even more. Yeah, and, and <laughs> by the way, if I had an eight-year-old son, he and I would watch Daredevil together. And if I would explain things he has a problem with, uh, if he asked what Jessica Jones and Mike Coulter are doing, I'd say, having a good time, son. And one day I hope for you to do the same. Uh, no, I probably wouldn't say that if he was eight. But um, that's probably why I'm not a parent. But no, I think that, look, the guy's a good point. It is a family-friendly brand. But they, as a brand, are also taking, like you said, John, precautions. They're putting in parental controls, and and you can choose to have – if you don't want to have Disney Plus in your house, don't have it. Why is it that parents feel that, that they can tell a company like Disney what they should or shouldn't do when Disney is saying, we're addressing your concerns, and it's up to you now as parents to take responsibility? I, I, I agree. Again, I, I just think at the end of the day, I would be more sympathetic to the complaints – if Disney wasn't re-upping the parental controls, like if they weren't giving parents the tools to monitor what it is, and parents should monitor what their kids do and do not consume. They have a responsibility to do that. And if Disney wasn't giving the parents the tools to do that, I would say, yeah, there's a valid complaint there. If there weren't the tools to stop a kid just from saying, oh, good, mom and dad put Disney Plus on the TV, the family TV that I can access, and they could just put up and watch the Mike Coulter and Jessica Jones sex scene. I mean, yeah, maybe there's a problem, but the tools are there. Right. And again, I just think if your kid can figure out a way to get through those tools, they can figure out a way how to access Hulu or Netflix or whatever else to watch to watch it anyway. So I don't know. Again, I think there's some good points raised on both sides that should be kept in mind when both sides are considering it. But at the end of the day, if the tools are there, the tools are there. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this situation? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? Fourth comes from Henry Ho. Hi, John and crew. Recently, Charlie Cox had spoken about whether or not the Netflix adaptation of Daredevil is the same person in the MCU. And he thinks no. They're different versions. Now, Marvel themselves haven't confirmed anything yet, but this seems like a strong sign. What could this mean for the backstories of Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk in the MCU? Thanks. Love your show. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Henry. Appreciate that. And yeah, look, this has been a really big topic of debate and discussion. And for some reason, it's gotten heated sometimes. Like, I've, I've given kind of a thought about what it could mean. And I've had people, like, angry at me. Right? How dare you, John? Don't, are you calling Vincent D'Onofrio a liar? Like, no, you just aren't reading everything Vincent D'Onofrio actually said. At any rate, the whole topic of ever since Kingpin got brought in to Hawkeye, which was, I think everybody would acknowledge was kind of the biggest highlight of Hawkeye, was the appearance of Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk. But the question has been, all right, all right, and now obviously we have Charlie Cox in here too. Is it the same Wilson Fisk and is it the same Charlie Cox Daredevil as from the Netflix series? On the one hand, you have the fact that, well, Fisk kind of 
physically is different and acts a bit different than he did in the Netflix series. I mean, he never had that kind of strength. He never had superpowers. He never did that. He, his backstory was apparently portrayed a little bit differently in Netflix shows this year. But on the other hand, you have Wilson Fisk saying, hey, in my mind, it's the same guy. In my mind, it's the same guy here and there, right? So then the same question got extended to Charlie Cox once he appeared in Spider-Man. It's like, okay, but is that the exact same guy? Is this literally the same character, the same guy with the same history and everything that we saw in the Netflix shows? Maybe yes, maybe no. And and, you, and we won't know for sure until Kevin Feige comes out and makes a definitive statement, either in a movie or outside of a movie. But right now that hasn't happened. However, in the world of the multiverse, there are a lot of options. And Charlie Cox was recently at an event and he was asked straight up about it. It's like, is this the same thing? Is this is this going to be Daredevil season four? Is this going to be the same Daredevil we've seen before? And Charlie Cox's statements, I think, were rather interesting. He said the following. I don't think it makes sense to pick up where we left off. I think in keeping with a lot of things in the MCU right now, where there's this kind of alternate reality kind of thing going on. So it's a good moment to have this, you know, there's been a few years have passed, you know, and now I don't know. It's Daredevil, but maybe it's not quite. It's reimagined. So let's let's read that again. Cause I think there's a lot, lot to unpack in here. I don't think it makes sense to pick up where we left off. I think in keeping with a lot of things in the MCU right now, where there's this kind of alternate reality kind of thing going on. So it's a good moment to have this, you know, there's been a few years have passed, you know, and now I don't know. It's Daredevil, but maybe it's not quite. It's reimagined. Just like a lot of other things that we have heard and seen, I think there are some things in here you could look at different ways. Like, for instance, when he says, and I'll bring this up one more time, when he says, I don't think it makes a lot of sense that we pick up where we left off. Well, I don't think that statement in and of itself tells us anything because, yeah, maybe he's saying, yeah, I don't think it makes sense to say this is the same Daredevil. It's got to be a different thing. He could very well just be saying, hey, you know what? Years have passed since the events of Daredevil season three. I just don't think we should pick up where we left off. You could look at it that way. The more interesting parts of the statement for me, though, are the parts where he's specifically talking about alternate realities now and where he's seeing now that we're in an MCU with alternate realities, he says, you know, uh, it's Daredevil. But it's not quite. It's reimagined. I I don't know. Again, I don't think there's anything 100% definitive here. I will say, though, I personally read what he's saying, and I lean towards the fact that I don't think this is going to end up being the exact same incarnation of Daredevil that we had. I think there's going to be a whole ton of similarities. I think there's going to be a lot of things similar, some things very different. But I think at the end of the day, this is a, as he pointed out, an alternate reality version of Charlie Cox, Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Again, we don't know for sure, but to me, that sounds like it is what he's saying. I don't know, Rob, they're playing everything really close to the vest right now. And I don't think there's, a, I don't think there's a one damning magic bullet piece of evidence that absolutely confirms it one way or the other. I'm leaning one way after hearing Cox, but now that you've heard what he said, how do you feel about it? Well, there's some weird shenanigans going on in the MCU that I think shenanigans. I say there's some shenanigans here, and I want to I want to offer J. Jonah Jameson, Ralph Boner, now Daredevil and Wilson Fisk, 
where we have characters, Ralph Boner is supposedly nobody, even though it's Evan Peters who was Quicksilver in the Fox universe. We brought back J. Jonah Jameson from Raimi's Spider-Verse. Now we have Wilson Fisk and and um, and Daredevil. You know, we have uh, uh, Matt Murdock from different iterations of these shows. So there's, there's four characters that have all been classified as different things and they've come from essentially different universes, and yet they've all been incorporated into the MCU in their various ways. Right. And I think that, I mean, Matt Murdock is clearly Matt Murdock. He is Daredevil, as we saw in Spider-Man No Way Home. I think in the multiverse of madness is going to give us the definitive answers we need because it You're has probably to. right. It has to. I mean, it has to come out and say, and it's not just the character of Wilson Fisk and, and Daredevil. It's everything that came with them. Did Elektra come over? Did the hand come over? Is Wilson Fisk's criminal empire the same as it was in the Charlie Cox series? Um, and I think these things matter because going forward, if they're going to bring these characters back repeatedly, we have to know who they are. And they might want to make a Daredevil, say they make a Daredevil movie. Do they have to bring back, if they bring back Elektra and they do Elektra Assassin or something, is it still the same actress? And if not, why not? And, you know, as fans, it's, it's, Marvel has set up their own continuity. We have come to expect over what's going to be, what, 28 films now? Uh, that they have an internal continuity that we've been able to follow. Well, since they've moved since the beginning of 2021, adding, I mean, everyone said that Evan Peters is just nobody. But that was a very specific, if he was a nobody, why do that in the first place? And I've, I've said that there's shenanigans there from the beginning. I think we're going to find out something different about that. But we'll see. And I think they need to define it for us. And I think that's what Multiverse of Madness is going to do. I mean, I think a key thing you brought up is like, I think that J. Jonah Jameson is a great, I think if, if we're looking for one kind of pillar, that might be it. The same actor playing the same role, but that's not the J. Jonah Jameson that was in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. It's, it's the same, but it's different. And I, I kind of wonder, but then you bring up the the Evan Peters situation, which is a different situation than what they did with Jay Jonah, right? At least that's what they said. At least that's what they said. I, I believe that, but you're right. It's at least what they said. So I kind of, I, I still lean right now until I see more evidence. Otherwise, I still lean right now that what we're getting with Charlie Cox here and Vincent D'Onofrio is going to be similar to the J.K. Simmons as Jay Jonah. It's, yeah, it's their Daredevil. That's Kingpin. But it's not the same one that you saw before. It's a little different. But I don't know. It could exactly be the same one. I don't know. Chris, you see this. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the conversation continues about it. How have you been thinking about this issue about is Kingpin and Charlie Cox's Daredevil, Matt Murdock, the exact same ones from the Netflix series? Do Charlie Cox's new statements enforce that opinion change your opinion how do you see it i went into this especially with vincent uh vincent Nafio's comments being like oh yeah of course it's the same character they're all the same characters and this statement is such a wishy-washy statement mm -hmm. that means nothing of just well maybe um possibly uh perhaps no there's nothing said here that makes me change my mind on anything charlie cox has said nothing concrete about whether or not his character is going to be the same or different we just know that time has passed which like yeah, it moves in a linear fashion usually. We get it, Charlie. I think that it would make sense to change him up. I think it would make sense to give him maybe a little a little more of the kind of super in his superhero, right? 
and give him a few more fantastical bits to mesh into the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. Which is what um, they kind of already did yeah, with Kingpin. With the, yeah. And, and I think maybe it allows us to perhaps right a few wrongs from season three of Daredevil and see kind of what we liked, what we didn't. But like Rob was saying, we have to be all in on that conversation then. We have to know what's coming along with us. What's canon, what isn't, what is Daredevil still? Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think there's that much going on in this statement because like most things when it comes to the MCU, we gotta be vague as hell. I, again, to me, the big part was when he when he himself brings up alternate realities. Mm -hmm. It's Daredevil, but it's not quite, you know. But the one thing I would say is if, and this is a big if, this is a massive, massive if, if it is a different version of Charlie Cox and Daredevil, much like Jay Jonah's is a different version of Jay, uh, of Jay, Jay Jonah, it offers them a lot of upside. Because on the one hand, you can bring over everything people loved about the Netflix Daredevil. But at the same time, because it's not technically the exact same one, you can change whatever you want about it. Mm -hmm. You can say this one hasn't met Elektra yet. Right. If Kevin Feige's got his own, because we all know Kevin Feige's already kind of connected to the Electric movie. But if Kevin Feige's got his own idea about what an Electra could be, he could tell a totally new story of this Matt Murdock meeting Kevin Feige's version of Electra. So you could, if, but if people love Foggy, they can bring over Foggy in the same one they had. Yeah. If they like, what's the character's name? Karen? Karen Page. Karen Page. Mm -hmm. If people love Karen, they want to, we can bring over that Karen. We can bring Just over- no heroine. Yes, please, not another heroine thing. <laughs> you can bring that all over, but it's not technically the same, so we can change also. So it's, it's almost like a having your cake and eating it too sort of scenario. And it's bit. also, if it is the same, then where are the rest of the defenders? You know, right. and, and, yeah. and there's that's why there's all these other questions. And I think that the MCU needs. And why weren't they involved in the events of Endgame? And why? Yeah. 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 And then you, you, you need to answer these questions. By the way, these are not questions that these are questions the MCU has set up for itself. Like mm -hmm. they, they, they absolutely they, it's, well pointed out. You know, it's not like we're we're if they weren't so tight on their own continuity with this one long story being told, then we wouldn't care. And if they're going to use the multiverse as their excuse, that's fine, too. Just tell us. I think that they have to, because otherwise it's going to get to the point where, you know, we're all continuity pornographers. We all want to know what's happening in our stories and make sure that canon is adhered to, because when it isn't, things start to fall apart. And that's one of the great appeals of the MCU is that they've had such a tight continuity. And that's kind of what makes it fun, at least for me. I've, I've enjoyed that. And I want to know. And they're going to be doing other things like if they go into Secret Invasion, maybe Daredevil's a scroll. You know, who knows? I don't know. By the way, uh, Xavier Phoenix in the live chat brings up something that I really, really like. So if, and again, this is a huge philosophical, theoretical if, if this is a different alternate reality version of, of Matt Murdock, one of the exciting things for me, as brought up by Xavier Phoenix in there, is that you could introduce a new stick. Now, Stick in the TV series, I forget the actor's name, but he's from uh, Scott, Backdraft. Scott, yeah, Scott... Um... He was also the captain yeah, of the American Blake? submarine Glenn, in Hunt for Scott October. Glenn, Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn, thank you. He was great in Hunt for Red October. He was great. And he was also great in Jonesy. If you go, I go. He was so great in Backdraft. But um, you could bring in a new stick. And I love the idea of that because I love that character. And, and it opens up a world of possibilities of different actors you could have come in and maybe play stick to go along. Oh, but whatever. Anyway, guys, question is for you. 
What do you think about these comments from Charlie Cox? Are you kind of on the boat right now that, yeah, this is the exact same Kingpin and the exact same Daredevil that were in the Netflix series. The Netflix series is complete continuity with what the MCU is now. Are you kind of like me that you think it's going to be a little bit of both? Like it's actually not the same version, even though there's going to be tons of similarities. Maybe you have a third option. I don't know. Whatever you guys are thinking right now, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts as we wait for Kevin Feige to definitively answer this. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number five, shall we? Chris, what is the fifth main topic today? This is from Franklin Tafts. Hi, John. Been watching you since your Shang-Chi Shang uh, out of the theater reaction. Oh, thank you, man. Anyway, I just watched another movie with a Canadian, The Adam Project. I thought this was one of the better Netflix movies I've seen in a long time. The kid who played the younger version of Ryan Reynolds stole the show, and the way he and Reynolds played off each other was a real strength of the movie. Have you had a chance to see it yet? And what did you guys think? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Franklin. And yeah, look, you guys know, Ryan Reynolds is my favorite movie star. Good Canadian kid. Um, love the guy. But I've also been very critical of Netflix original movies because they've been terrible. <laughs> they're, they're, they have a good one now and again. Actually, now and again, they have really good ones. But their success ratio is so much more infinitesimally small compared to their success ratio of their TV series that it's it's confusing. And even when you put my favorite movie stars in it, like Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, in what's called Red Notice? Yeah, Red Notice. That doesn't guarantee the movie's going to be good. And, and listen, they're my two favorite movie stars, but... I, I, I didn't like Red Notice. I just got to call as I see it. So just because Ryan Reynolds is in the Adam Project does not necessarily mean it's going to be any good. But I saw the trailers. I thought the trailers looked pretty good. Uh, they looked pretty. So I thought the concept was kind of neat. Ryan Reynolds meeting, having to go back in time and work with the younger version of himself. That's interesting. You don't see that done a lot. It's all right. I gave it a shot. And you know what? It ain't bad. <laughs> It ain't bad. It, it is one of the better Netflix original movies. And again, this is the partnership between with uh, Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds working together again. Of course, they just worked together on Free Guy, although I do kind of wish they just immediately made Free Guy too. but that's okay. Adam Project, here we go. This comes to us from the folks, by the way, over, uh, or uh, this comes to us from uh, Wikipedia's writing. The Adam Project is a 2022 American science fiction film directed by Sean Levy and written by Jonathan Troper, uh, Nolan Jennifer, sorry, T.S. Nolan, Jennifer Flackett, and Mark Levin. The film stars Ryan Reynolds, who also produces, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner, Walker Scoble, uh, Catherine Keener, who I love ever since 40-Year-Old Virgin, and Zoe Saldana. Production on the film be first began in 2012 with Tom Cruise attached to Star. The film then fell into development hell until Netflix acquired the distribution rights from Paramount Pictures in July of 2020. Filming commenced on November 2020 and wrapped in March of 2021. Wow. And now we here we are We've got, this is one of those movies that goes all the way back. All the way back. And and here it comes. Now, right now, uh, the audiences like it. The, the critics like it. 68% of the critics like it. 84% of the audiences like it. So they're within about, what do we, what do we got here? 18%, 16% of each other. So, yeah, generally speaking, the critics like it. The, the audience like it. And I, I like it. I thought this was good. Now, let me tell you, let me start with, let me get the negative out of the way. The negative of the Adam project is actually the screenplay. Like the general story 
of it. It's it's kind of weakly done. Mm. Like at the core of this movie is this is Ryan Reynolds and this kid and and Ray. I don't know if you can look up for me the name of the kid who play who the, the name of the kid who plays the kid in uh, in the Adam Project. If you can look that up. Okay. But that's kind of the core of the movie, and then they kind of pieced a story. It's Walker Scobell. Oh, that's who us. That's Scobell. Okay. Yes. This kid is great. But let me get to the great things in a second. First, let me. I want to get the negatives out of the way. The whole concept of why they're time traveling and what it is they're trying to accomplish almost felt like afterthoughts to the movie. Hmm. To, to be frank, that whole thing felt like afterthoughts. Even the big climax of the film kind of felt a little bit like an afterthought. Um, and so, yeah, interesting concept. Not executed beautifully as far as, you know, from a screenplay point of view and extending out the story and all that kind of stuff. That's my main problem with the movie. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, John, I mean, that's a pretty important part to a movie. If, if that doesn't work, like, how do you say you like it? Because of the other pieces. There's more than one thing that goes into making a movie. And this movie sang on a lot of other levels. And at the heart and at the core of this movie is not even just Ryan Reynolds, but it's Reynolds and the Scoble kid. Every minute these two characters are on screen together is gold. And it ain't just Ryan Reynolds carrying it. This kid did such an amazing job of being a young Ryan Reynolds. Now, the writer writes the lines and hands it to the kid. So, yeah, but when this kid is jabbing back and forth with Reynolds and having these verbal exchanges with him, oh, my God, he says it all in such a Ryan Reynolds way. <laughs> like, perfectly. So you you literally feel like you're watching two versions of Ryan Reynolds having these these verbal exchanges with himself. And that is, to me, the absolute backbone of this movie. And the two of them are on screen together in this movie a lot. And every moment they're on screen together for me totally worked. And I was enjoying it. And, and, and the, you know, the context of what the general premise of the story was kind of fuels that interaction and what they're doing. I also found there were great, once you bring in Mark Ruffalo, oh God, and Jennifer Garner, there's a scene of Jennifer Garner and uh, Ryan Reynolds in a bar. And I'm not going to give, you know the one I'm talking mm -hmm. about. I'm not going to give any details away. But there are moments of that and moments between Ryan, uh, Reynolds and Scoble and Mark Ruffalo, who plays their father. These two, but particularly that bar scene that pulled on my heartstrings. She has the hardest job in this movie. She, no, she did. And she might have given the best performance. It's Jennifer She's Garner. so good in this. <laughs> She's so, so good in this. brilliant in this. And that scene, that scene is so good. So... This movie, yeah, the overall premise kind of fell apart in the screenplay and the what the big idea is, the time travel stuff, blah, blah, it was actually kind of weak. But that's not the heartbeat of the film. The heartbeat of the film are these characters, the performances, and so many just beautiful moments throughout. There's also a, a fight in the playground kind of scene that I just laugh my ass off at. Um I, I quite enjoyed this movie. I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to end up being in my top five of the year. That would be disingenuous of me. But I wholeheartedly recommend this film. I, mm. I think this is a good, for a Netflix film especially, yeah. this is a good sit down, 
grab your favorite favorite beverage, grab some leftovers out of the fridge, sit down, pop it on, and just really enjoy yourself for under two hours. Ray, uh, by the way, that's the other thing, Ray. It's under two. It's yeah. under two hours. That's <laughs> first hour thing I thought. Like, Ray can Ray can <laughs> absorb this one, no problem. So. Yeah, I, I recommend you guys check out Adam Project. Again, just another star vehicle, but it's weird to have Ryan Reynolds in a movie. And all due respect to Ryan Reynolds. But he almost wasn't even the biggest highlight. This kid, the dynamic between those amazing. Anyway, Chris, you also watched this movie last night. Mm -hmm. Those are my overall impressions. What are your overall impressions of this one? What worked for you? What didn't work? All that jazz. Oh, man. This kid's so good. And this is his first thing, too. This is his first big project. And he just knocked it out of the park. His mannerisms, his delivery, that very first line, who talks like that? Just oozes <laughs> Ryan Reynolds' energy. It's so good. And I, I brought up on the show before, Ryan Reynolds has this great clip of Walker performing a Deadpool monologue behind him while they're just on set. And it is the funniest stuff you'll ever see. It's so great. This works really, really well. And I, I was thinking about you when I was watching it, John, because it was time travel wasn't fixing everything, right? That's right. a big thing in this is time travel can't fix everything. And time travel can cause a slew of problems, as we all know from every time travel film vehicle we've seen before. But man, the, the heart of this movie really is these family dynamics. Jennifer Garner gives one of her best performances, performances, honestly, that I've seen her do. She's so great in this, and she does so much non-verbally. There are so many moments where she is just showing us how much pain she's in, how she, she's so frustrated. There's this great moment where Ryan just looks at her through a window. Ah, oh, it's so good. It shouldn't be this good. But it is a really, really great watch. I highly, highly recommend it. The effects in this are really great, too. There's not a weak person in this film. All the all the actors really, really come together. And I would say this is a great movie for Netflix. This is a great movie in general. What would you say maybe might, might be some of the weaknesses of it for you? I do think some of the plot devices kind of fall a little flat, like you were saying with some of the writing. Um, there are... Mm. I would say this too, and we can't give anything away. I, I'm trying... <laughs> ending doesn't really make sense mm -hmm. and again it's uh i i know it's terrible to throw that out there without explaining what i mean by that but then i'd be revealing like way too yeah, much don't do that but i haven't seen it yet i don't want say, you to do that the ending to me didn't make a lot of sense yeah but at the same time i was like oh good yes <laughs> yep totally get there that's nice and, and vague by the way again keener like keener who was Again, I will always think of her as the woman from the uh, We Sell Your Stuff on eBay shop and 40-Year-Old Virgin. Of course, she was amazing in Get Out. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's amazing in everything. But yeah. uh, Zoe Saldana is somebody we haven't really mentioned as well. Mm -hmm. Not a big role in the film. So if you're going into it thinking you're going to get a lot of Zoe Saldana, you don't. She's, she's not in a huge part of this movie. Mm -hmm. She's a central figure to the movie, yes. but she's not in a lot of it. But uh, yeah, for me, it's it's a winner, Rob. I know you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it looks right up my alley. Where's your expectation? I, I I'm I saw the trailers for this. But I liked the first trailer. The second trailer was even better. You know, it it to me it looks like a combination of the Last Starfighter and Flight of the Navigator. You know, which both movies that I really liked, enjoyed, and, and we'll see. With of course the time travel element, I love the idea of of you know there's a animated Star Trek episode called Yesteryear from the original animated series in the 70s where Spock, our Spock, goes back to see his younger self. And I love those stories. And uh, I can't wait to see this, to be honest. Guys, question is for you. 
Where is your expectation for the Adam Project been at this point? What do you think about the trailers? Now that you're seeing the results come in, where's your? Maybe you saw it already. It is out on Netflix now. If so, what did you guys think? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Guys, we want to take a minute and thank a sponsor of today's video, Viore. Now, you know, Ann and I like to work out and train several days a week, but the thing is I want to be comfortable and not look like a slob at the same time. And I often have a hard time finding something that does both, but Viore, Everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look or feel like it's made to be worked out in. It is so comfortable, you will want to wear this stuff all the time. Now, you guys know I like some flexibility and versatility in the clothes that I wear, but that's where Viore comes in. See, it can be used for just about any activity like running, training, swimming, yoga, but it's also great just for lounging around or going out on the weekends in. For example, take the men's core shorts. These are the most comfortable and one of the best looking pairs of shorts that you can own. And they're versatile. One pair of shorts for just about every sport that you can play. Or take the men's Sunday performance jogger. These pants are perfect for lounging around in or going out for a good run. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our viewers, they are offering 20% off your very first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash campia. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash campia not only will you receive 20 percent off your first purchase but enjoy free shipping on any u.s orders over 75 dollars and free returns go to viore.com slash campia and discover the versatility of viore clothing and thank you to the good folks at viore for being a sponsor of today's episode of the john campia show all right guys with that all down, let's now move over and start taking your live comments and questions that you guys were firing in. By the way, I want to remind you, if you guys want to get a comment or question on for me or Rob or both of us to read and address, but you're watching this show one of the other 22 hours during the day, we do a show three times a week called Mailbag, and we have one coming out a little bit later today. So if you'd like to send in a question for Mailbag, simply go down to the description of this video and you'll see a tip link. Click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on Mailbag if we deem your comment or question appropriate to be used on our show. And, of course, you'll be supporting our show at the same time and all of us involved with the John Cabe Show. Thank you guys so much for your support. By the way, I should mention, too, another movie came out last night, Turning Red. But they both came out at midnight. Yeah. And I had to pick one or the other. So I had some people writing and saying, John, how come you're not reviewing Turning Reddit? Because I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. And when I was trying to decide which one to watch, I thought more people might be a little bit more interested in The Adam Project. Plus, Anne said, I'm not staying up and I want you to watch that with me, which means I was watching The Adam Project last <laughs> night. So there you go. So we will be reviewing The Adam Pro or uh, Turning Red. We just weren't able to do that today. Okay, Chris. What have people been writing in for us to talk about? All right. First, Sam Fisher. Did you see the boys' character posters riffing on and making fun of old Batman movie posters? They are hilarious. I have not seen these. I have not I, seen I, these I, either. I saw them. What, are they I any saw good? them. Uh, they're just funny because, like, when they were released. Like, well, what, what, what kind of things are in them? It's just the characters and then, like, they have the fonts for the different Batman movies. Oh, like, my God. Um, really? Okay, I'm going to have to yeah. look these up. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. I did not know about those, Sam. Thanks for putting those on my radar, man. All right, what's next? Uh, Down Well, who sends in just some support. Thank, Thank you, you so Down. Much. More from Sam Fisher. Rob, I bought two Moon Knight shirts at my uh, LC 
LCS yesterday, local comic shop. Uh, one looked like from Jeff Lemire run. The other is decomping scroll, uh, decomping skull, skull breaking out of wrappings. Are you familiar with that oh, imagery? Uh, well, that it, I, I don't know which images, but Lemire's stuff is really cool. The Jeff, yeah. That that artwork is his artwork's fantastic. I really like his uh, his Green Arrow runs. You did? Yeah. I'm gonna I have like to. Jeff, from from like probably stuff. Jeff Lemire runs. He's a writer. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking. I just think artist, oh. um, but um, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know which images they are because you know they do images just for shirts, or they can take actual comic book art. So I don't, I you know. All I, I know is I have no Moon Knight merch. You know why? Because I bought one for you. Me, you bought me. <laughs> the one I had. You yeah, bought me right. Moon Knight merch. I, other than that, I don't have one. But I, I, I might have to go and buy that same one. Because the more I, I look at pictures of it, I'm like, I should buy well, another I one should, of those I myself. should start bringing the, my Moon Knight stuff and put it on the desk on here desk or in the mm -hmm. office, you know, if we move. All right. What's next? Another Sam Fisher. I think She-Hulk might have a tap dance sequence because there's a video going around of Tatiana in tap dance lessons to This Is The Day by The The by the the i have i have not seen that it could just be her doing her own thing but listen at this point with all the crazy stuff we're hearing about she hulk i wouldn't put this show i wouldn't put anything past this show putting it in yeah so i mean who knows maybe all right what's next uh from Suthius, you know i actually like that variants aren't just relegated to just alternate timelines i like seeing different variants across the multiverse and uh, listen I'm, I'm gonna be uh, again i'll say the unpopular thing i don't care i hate variants they they but john you said you like this is it yeah there there are definitely instances where i think it's been really fun and really cool and there's some cool things but again to me it just waters down everything mm -hmm. there are no consequences there are no stakes somebody dies oh no oh guess don't worry there's a variant here and it just it muddies the water a lot that's why i'm like very cool about seeing dr strange multiverse of madness i just hope it starts the process of closing it all down and getting back to just like just good storytelling again but i don't know that's because of rob i know a lot of people really do love the whole multiverse and variant well, stuff you know i gotta say it's it's like when i was a kid i've often said on the show my favorite thing was when the justice league of america would cross over with the justice society, society. well that was like earth two and it was a different but they were two very distinct places like the Jay Garrick flash was on earth too. And we had the Barry Allen flash. So it's not, there was a different difference there. And with the variants, it's like, it's the same people, but sort of different. And it becomes confusing. And like you said, it gets a little diluted. I think yeah. ultimately, I mean, I like the fact that you can go to a different earth and there's an actual, there's a different flash that isn't, you know, there's a Jay Garrick. It is, yeah. it is delineated that way or Superman's older, you know, or something, but yeah, I don't mind, like, for let's get back to the Vincent D'Onofrio, Charlie Cox thing. I don't mind if these are variants of the ones that we saw in the Netflix universe. That's fine, but then make it so now that's it. Now this is yeah. Daredevil and this is Kingpin, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I'm sure whatever Kevin Feige is going to do, he's going to do it great and we'll love whatever it is that, that comes out of it. All right, what's next? Mike Joyce, good thing Paramount Plus has Halo at the end of the month. Otherwise, I would cancel my subscription. That's <laughs> right. Halo, Halo. Halo. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm really liking Paramount Plus. Yeah. Like everything from Mayor of Kingstown to 1883. I loved 1883. I, I mean, I, I mean, South I, Park. I mean, South <laughs> the South Park stuff has been great. Uh, I mean, present company excluded, but I'm really liking the start for the most part. A lot of the Star Trek stuff, mm -hmm. certainly not all of it. Um, 
and they've got some really cool things coming down the pipe too plus we got halos coming out which by the way we are going to do a post-game show for halo we have to yeah at least the first episode at least the first episode. <laughs> and then we'll see how that Yay, goes great game day I, yes great game day great game day. but i i gotta tell you it, it it's shaping up for me the paramount plus i mean they have to keep going i mean they can't like they they have more ground to cover more to do but it's working out so far Was, for me. wasn't there talk of like the next mission impossibles going on there right it away will, but not right away okay. no no but that will be the streaming home of the next mission impossible um quiet place too that is going to is the streaming home for a thing and but that was the big one they came out and they said and by the way top gun i believe also is paramount those are, plus those are paramount gonna, franchises yeah and i i actually think they've got a I don't know what's going to happen with Paramount Plus over the next two years. I think they're off to a good start. Well, yeah, and you know, they got one of my most eagerly awaited movies that's coming out this year is the 4K restoration of the director's edition of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Oh, and that's going on Disney that's Plus. That's going uh, Paramount Plus, yeah. yeah. Paramount, I said Disney Plus, Paramount Plus. But yeah. Sorry, let me rephrase that when I said I think they're off to a good start. I think they're off to a good start once they killed the CBS All Access moniker and they became yeah. Paramount+. Right. Plus. I, but once they did I actually think they're off to a pretty good start. All right, what's next? Uh, from Joseph. Hey, crew, love the show. Thank you. You guys, have all, you guys have become a daily part of my own entertainment. Would love to know what kind of cameras you guys use. Thinking about it for my own creative endeavors. Thanks. All right, thank you for it. I love tech questions. Yeah, John, look at how many cameras you have here. I, yeah. There are many cameras. Many cameras. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven cameras. Don't forget that one. The seven fans. <laughs> I got that one over the there. Elgato face cam. Oh, yeah. No, I counted that one. Um, one right there. Oh, that one right there. Yeah, but that one's not plugged in right now, even oh. though I should have that one plugged in. Um, so I love tech questions. Okay, so what I am using right now, and I have been using for a couple of years now, I am using uh, a wonderful camera known as the Sony A6400. It's part of the Sony A series. It is an APS-C sensor uh, E-mount camera system, and I use Sigma 30-millimeter prime lenses on on this one i use a 15 millimeter lens and i love them i do love these cameras they're a little bit older now now they're a few years old but you can probably buy them for under a thousand dollars each at this point and then the lenses lenses can run three four thousand dollars but these sigma prime lenses are actually like 300 bucks new i am considering changing cameras yeah i'm considering like these have been doing the job for about three years maybe more but i'm considering camera change even though these have been great and i love them we'll still use them but i'm thinking about getting the black magic cinema for uh, pocket cinema 4k cameras Ooh. not the 6k ones but the 4k ones because they're right around the same price um do you have to buy lenses for them? You have to buy lenses for them. But again, you can get reasonable lenses. And it's it's not the E-mount or the APS-C, but they're micro four-third lenses, which can be really good. So I'm kind of toying around with that. I was thinking about the, the Canon C200s, but those are effing expensive. <laughs> those are like really expensive. And we used to use those at uh, AMC and uh, Clyde or those C200s. But, uh, but yeah, I'm using a very simple, relatively inexpensive camera known as the a sony a6400 they're just tiny little mirrorless cameras check them out i think you'd be very happy with them if you tried them all right what's next i love again i love tech questions all right what's next down well john can you do the video game cutscenes, movie reviews and bring them back for example oh for example uncharted 4 thanks um you know what 
I was just thinking about that the other day. Just so you know, I did do Uncharted 4. Um, I, I started a couple of years ago getting in the habit of doing, you know, if you go on YouTube, you can find these cutscene movies of a lot of the games. And they're not like 30 minutes. They're like anywhere from eight hours to like 16 hours long. These cutscene movies, like they include, because it, it's it isn't just the cutscenes. They also include all the gameplay from the from the game that tells any story whatsoever, right? And so I've reviewed God of War, I reviewed uh, Last of Us, I reviewed Uncharted, uh, I think I reviewed Red Dead Redemption, those stories, uh, and I did Uncharted Four. But you know what? Like with things like Elden Ring and Ghost of Tsushima coming out. I, I've started thinking that I might start do those again. The thing is I need time. And maybe once we hire a couple more staff people, which I'm hoping to do soon, uh, I'll have a little bit more time to do stuff like that. So thank you for bringing that up, man. All right, what's next? Pablo Zuniga, just here to support Rob on that Speed Racer is an awesome movie. <sighs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm so glad is. you think so. And it's I'm a great so glad family you think film, so. too. It is definitely a family film. Yes, I, I will say that. It's one you can watch with the whole family. And it has a great Michael Giacchino score. I can't remember the score, but you're probably right if it's Giacchino. All right, what's next? Attack of the Mushi. Probably right. <laughs> Have any of you guys ever seen Buckaroo Banzai? It's been a we're long time. We were just yeah. talking about that. You know, wherever you go, there you are. Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion <laughs> Systems. John Big Boutet. <laughs> you are there you are i like that all right what's next pal daz the devil of hell's kitchen rises from the shadows once again to defend the innocent of a suffering city on a day on day one of a five-year rapture snapshot three season prequel smash or pass p.s daredevil is greater than batman no <laughs> <laughs> uh, not 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 to the overall question but daredevil but no uh that's just my opinion but I'm going to take a pass on it. Again, I really... Now, that could... What you're describing, Paul, uh, pal, I should say, could be very good. I mean, that that could be an excellent thing. I'm getting really personally invested in this idea about it not being the exact same one, so it gives them the freedom to change the character but keep all the things that worked all at the same time. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, that's that's not a bad idea, the way he's described it. Paul, what do you think about it? It's not a bad idea, but I, 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 I don't mind that idea. I just, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I, I want some kind of closure because I don't want to have to think about it anymore. Yeah. It just, just it, yeah. It, it, it bothers me only because as a comic book fan, especially with Daredevil, I'm a big Daredevil fan. You know, I've read, I, what, how many issues? 400 issues or something. And, and I really am invested in the Daredevil continuity. So just tell me, man. Like, I don't yeah. care about Iron Fist. Just tell me about Daredevil. I need to know. And also Jessica Jones, the purple man. I mean, I need to know. All right. So good. So good. All right. What's next? Jackmaster Norad. John, I know I'm late, but welcome to the 50 Club. Thank you so much. It's good. It's, it's funny how many people have written to me to say that exact same thing. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. All Do you right. guys what's get smoking next? jackets? It's what, the new 30, man. You get it 50. Uh, yeah, not not much. Not much. Mm -hmm. Erectile dysfunction? Fortunately, no. Nor the back pain my dad said I was going to get. So, yeah, so you know what? I've been able to avoid that stuff so far. I have to so say, far. people people uh, said that, you know, that's when things, people told me that's when things start falling apart. But <laughs> the only thing that I've really felt in terms of getting older is my eyesight. Mm. Having to wear glasses. Other than that, knock on wood, things work pretty well. I got so, I got to say about two years ago, 
is when by the way these these aren't real glasses these are just uh, the filter glasses just and because i have giant monitors in front of me so oh if yeah I mine, don't, are, mine are my glasses are readers like yeah if, if i don't wear these off. glasses when i'm in front of these giant monitors all day i start to get headaches during the day but i did i did notice about two years ago if i'm looking at small text on my phone i got to do this now yeah. Like I can't, I can't see it here because it gets a little blurry. Yeah, we are old men yeah, on I the internet that. bitching about aging. That started happening <laughs> to me about two years ago, and I remember I went to the, I went to the hospital. Well, the doctor, my doctor's office is at the house. Went to my eye doctor. I'm like, oh man, I'm concerned. Like a blah blah blah. And if I hold it here, it's, it's like, I'm like, what's wrong? Can, can I get this fixed? He's like, you know, you're over thirty, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He goes, totally normal. Just accept it. I'm yeah, like, but sometimes. All right. Over 30 is tough considering what we do all day long. Yes. I mean, I look at what hot toys are coming out, uh, what video games I'm going to get, what Blu-rays. And my mom, I'd say to my mom, Mom, uh, 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 this new Spider-Man movie is coming out. My mom's like, why do you like the same stuff you liked when you were eight? Because if it was worth liking at eight, it's worth liking I, I, now. I, I say, Mom, I, I, we live in a world where I don't have to grow up. I can be perpetually Peter Pan for the rest of my life. And isn't that terrific? Then, then my wife, like Anne's eyesight isn't great. And then she got LASIK a couple of years ago. And so I, I've thought about, because in a couple of years, I'm going to have to start wearing readers. Like when I read stuff, I'm probably going to have to wear readers. I do. I have to wear, yeah. Um, so, but I'm thinking about maybe getting LASIK. I mean, I don't know. I'll have to think about that. But so far, so good. Like everything's holding together pretty well. All right. What's next? All right. From Casey Mack, I will probably watch The Atom Project later today after work. I did, however, watch Turning Red this morning and thought it was pretty good. Have you seen Turning Red yet? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, like we were just mentioning, having, I had to make a choice between Adam Project and Turning Red. I am very excited about Turning Red, though. And Ann and I are setting some time aside to go and watch that tonight. I think it looks awesome. And, yeah, granted, a little, little bit of uh, bias in there. You know, a little bit of uh, Toronto bias. Like, you think you'll get a Hamilton mention? I, I think you could probably see Hamilton because, you know, Toronto's right on the lake, and on the other side of the lake is Hamilton. And on a clear day, you can see the two cities from each other. So maybe, maybe a little bit. I mean, I lived in Toronto for a number of years, too. And I went to college in Toronto and stuff like that. Well, I went, I mean, I've went to several colleges. But, I mean, it's, uh, I love Toronto. It's such a great city. And just seeing it actually featured in a movie like this. Then you got that Kevin Hart movie coming out called The Man from Toronto. By the way, who did they change? Remember, it was going to be Kevin Hart and Jason Statham. And then Jason Statham dropped out, and they replaced him with somebody, but I can't remember who they replaced him mm. with. If you guys in the live chat remember that one, or remember who they replaced Jason Statham with, with I would love to. I would love to know because the I for, forgot Toronto. that. But I am looking forward to the man from Toronto. All, All right. right, what's next? From Orlando Orego. Hey, John and crew. I saw West Side Story and thought it was beautiful. My one issue is I can't love someone that killed a family member of mine. Add that to your dating profile. I mean, <laughs> again, to me, to me, it's important. West Side Story to me was the best movie of the year. Uh, I, I, I mean, there was a lot of movies I really liked, and I was not even excited about West Side Story. But I, I came out so profoundly moved by that movie. Like Ann and I were just like rapidly talking about it the whole, and I've been talking about it ever since. So yeah, to me, it's my favorite one of the year. All right, what's next? From Evan, y'all have been talking about Avatar a lot, which makes this guy super happy. Chances we'll see a trailer in front of Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse Bugaloo? Mm. Um, I think too far out. 
I mean, there is a connection there. They're both Disney-owned properties, yeah. so I, so that's possibility. I I think it's probably still a little bit far out. So I'm going to guess no, but I am very very curious to see that first trailer because you guys remember the impact that first Avatar trailer had on people. Like when it came out, like people lost their minds. All right, it'll be interesting to see what it does now. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think just out of curiosity, look, dude, I of all the movies coming out this year. I just want a glimpse. I want to know. I want some kind of because I am an Avatar fan. I'm an Avatar stan, and uh, I I can't wait for this just to see what we're gonna get. All right, uh, I think we missed one from Spencer. Oh, that's what I have next. Okay, online. great. Uh, Spencer Cooper, right? Yep. Oh, there we go. Okay, thoughts on Dark Knight Rises, Bane versus Batman fist fight with his monologue. Like from the Dark Knight Rises, that initial one where he gets his back broke. I mean, it's, it's a good scene. You know, it's funny. Rob and I were just, we, we were having lunch yesterday. We went out to lunch yesterday and we, were, we started talking about the Dark Knight Rises. I'm not a big Dark Knight Rises fan, to, to be honest. Don't, don't get me wrong. I like the movie. I, I do. I like it. But it is such. There's a lot of, I'm, I'm a fan too, but it's sloppy, man. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a lot of sloppiness and strange plotting in yeah. that movie. Like you're supposed to believe the cops are underground for 100 days or something. And then. They take Bane takes the time to somehow ship Bruce Wayne to this prison where he grew up, you know, and 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 then how does Bruce Wayne get back? Yeah. Like, where is that prison? Do, can you drive? Is it by the freeway, or do you have to fly there? You know, I mean, and do the it's such a weird. There's and why did Batman take the time to put the bat signal and set it on fire? It's on the side of that bridge. Like, didn't he have other things to do? But but it has moments. I think it's. Sure. I like it's, it. It's, it's this. Yeah. Overall, I like it. It's got some really good moments, and it was kind of cool, especially like if you read the Nightfall series and yeah. all that kind of stuff. You've been waiting to see the moment that Bane breaks Bruce Wayne's back. Yeah. Now, of course, then you're waiting for somebody else to come along and play Batman, and they don't do that here. No, because he has an exoskeleton and everything's fine. Yay, money and yay, money. money. All right. What's next? <laughs> uh, from JSOP Four. Love the Batman so much that every night when I take my contacts out, I think they contain footage from Iceberg Lounge. <laughs> Bring on the filthy. That's a little, little bit of a spoiler watch. from the movie there, but yes, oh. absolutely. I love God, God. I can, I've, I still haven't seen the Batman for a third time yet. I got to go. So I think this weekend I'm going to be squeezing in a third uh, screening of the Batman. All right, what's next? Cincinnati's five-star barber. What about seconds from disaster? Uh, <laughs> I have them next. So one of three. Uh, yeah, okay, do Cincinnati's first, then. then you might have to start reading from the other screen. Okie doke. Um, Cincinnati's five-star barber. Cincinnati's five-star barber! Woo! Yay, sending in an almost $20 super chat. Thank, Thank you, you so much. John, I've been meaning to tell you how much I enjoy the awesome new format of the show. Oh, thank you, man. Better than ever, and I truly love all you guys. Aww. Except for Ray. Well, yeah. <laughs> Until he watches the next two indie movies. LOL. Your buddy, Cincinnati's five-star barber. Oh, that's right. Ray still, I mean, Ray finally watched Raiders Lost Ark, but you still haven't seen the other two. Nope. We got to get the Come other one, dude. <laughs> no. no, and I don't intend to. That's how that's uh, Oh, no, well, he's going to have to because we're going to cover. Yeah. We won't do I'll Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but we will cover the other I'll two. I'll watch them when the time comes. When the time is right. Well, someone pointed out in the ch chat that um, the Michael G Gia Kino? Kino is doing the next Marvel thing. I mean, I was just Which reading next about Marvel it. thing? The a lot of Marvel by, things. Werewolf by Night. Oh, Werewolf by Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard he's actually directing it, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that Michael G. Kino's actually going to direct. Wow, and it's Werewolf by Night. And that's yeah. where Moon Knight got his start. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how and where and why they tie that all in. We still, why why would you be a werewolf any other time? <laughs> right. The name bothers me so much. Vampire if I was werewolf with by day, I'd be like, ooh, that's neat. <laughs> by the way, I should point out, I asked everybody a question. I said, who was the actor that took over the Jason Statham role in uh, The Man from Toronto? And thank you to everybody in the chat board who reminded me that it is Woody Harrelson. Who's taking over there? So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Cincinnati Barber. By the way, Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl again this year. Yeah. Already? I I believe they're going to go to the Super Bowl again this year. Anyway, all right. What's next? (laughs) Okay. So then we will do seconds from disaster. Uh, One of three. What's up, Movie Talk crew? This one is for John and Ray. When I saw the Batman, as soon as it was over, the guy in front of me turned around and said, uh, so do you think Pattinson would be better as Batman Beyond? Oh, God. I said, no way. But immediately thinking of you guys, I laughed and said, Batman Beyond would be cool, but not Pattinson. I'd rather see a Nightwing movie, to be honest. Um, Pattinson would not be a good Terry McGinnis. No. At all. I mean, Pattinson's 36 years old. Or is he 38? Hey, Google. Okay. How old is Robert Pattinson? Get, get our hands here. Sorry, 35. So I was wrong on both counts. But he's 35 years old. Like Terry McGinnis, he is not. Um, so no, I I think if even if they were to do a Batman Beyond, I definitely don't think that's the right fit for it. I, I think you gotta go somebody. I mean, you go somebody like not this guy specifically, but you go somebody like a Timothy Chalamet. I think that's the way you go. Mm. Somebody around mid to early 20s, 20s that can play yeah. a little bit younger. Um, that kind of stuff. So that would be my take. I don't. And you guys think Robert Pattinson would be a good fit for Terry McGinnis? Oh, he, yeah. the whole point is a younger Batman. I mean, an older Batman having a relationship with a young protege. So, yeah. all right. What's next? Uh, Joseph. Also, one of my favorite movies is Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. I love so that good. movie. So I good. may be wrong, but I feel like the Batman reminded me a bit of that movie too. Would you agree? There's, there's some overtures in that. By the way, correct me if I'm wrong, but what? One of the two of them, one of the two stars got an Academy Award nomination for that movie. I thought. Did, did, did Tom, Tom, Cru- did Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise? Did he get an Academy no, Award nomination? No, I would think Jamie Foxx might have. It might have been. Ray, can you look that up? See which one in Collateral got an Academy well, Award nomination? They're both nomination. great. It might have been neither of them, but I thought one of them did. Michael That Mann. movie's great, and it was a very different kind of role for Tom Cruise at yeah. the time. So good. He was fabulous in that. Yeah, I really like that one, Joseph. Good call out on that one, dude. All right, what's next? Uh, from Black Shy Guy. Do you guys think it's time for a Drizzit? Do you, Drizzit Do Urgent movie? And Robert, do you have a collection, collector statue of him? Love you guys. I'm straight up confession. Uh, I have no uh, idea uh, who yeah. or what that is. What is it? How is it spelled? D-R-I-Z-Z-T space D-O. I urgent. Do, I do not have a figure I'm of sorry, that Black character. Shy yeah. Guy. Sorry, I'm, it's probably something really obvious right in front of our faces and we're not acknowledging it, but I'm sorry. No, but so to answer the question, nope, we don't. And neither does Rob. No. All right, what's next? <laughs> All right, from Orlando. From the news about the DC movies changing dates, I think it's because there isn't any new movie projects coming up. Only Batgirl, which is filming, and Blue Beetle that hasn't started post-production. I don't see how that would have any bearing on why you would do a massive massive calendar reorganization when you literally just 72 hours earlier <laughs> had this big ad playing in front of the Batman telling everybody, here's the movies coming out in 2022, which by the way, maybe Monday or something, we're going to have to actually make a main topic and talk about what does this mean for Batgirl? 
Because Batgirl has Michael Keaton in it. The Michael Keaton Batman, who doesn't get introduced until The Flash. So The Flash was supposed to come out before Batgirl, but now Flash has moved to 2023, but Batgirl is still scheduled to come out in 2022. So what does that all mean? Anyway. John, I have looked up uh, Drizzt Duerden. Yeah, it's Drizzle Duerden. It is. It is. Uh, that is uh, from uh, Forgotten Realms from the Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. I So, by the way, a badass character. I know little of Dungeons and Dragons these days. So, uh, I but I do respect uh, this figure is dope. I mean, there's many cool figures. But I don't have him. Someone's saying the Dark Elf books by R.A. Salva Salvatore. Salvatore. He's, he's, that guy's written like a thousand novels. So, I mean, I don't have those figures because I don't collect those figures, but it's a badass figure. Badass characters. See, I play, I've played a shit ton of Dungeons & Dragons, but I haven't, I've never read the Dungeons & Dragons novels or lore or anything. Yeah. I, I just play the game. By the way, I do always feel like, uh, like I've let people down if they bring something up that I don't know. Well, I, mean, I always yeah, feel I mean, like, because I, I, I'm supposed to know everything. Man. But but no, see, that's the Ray thing. Ray and I are letting people down left and right. Like, but that's the thing. Like, <laughs> trying our best. We could bullshit pretend like we know what we're talking about. But you got to, if you're going to do a show like this, you get, and when something comes up that you just don't know, you just got to say to the audience straight up, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what that is. You know I'll, what I do know? What's that? Jamie Foxx was nominated for Jamie Foxx got nominated for it. Okay. So that would have been before he won his Ray Oscar, I believe. Yes. All right. All right, what's next? All right, from Spencer Cooper, Battenson is my fave Batman and Bale my favorite Bruce. Yeah, it's funny how we make, I mean, we do make that distinction, right? Because like, George Clooney was actually not a bad Bruce Wayne. Right. Uh, he sir, is Bruce Wayne. I mean, he, his life is Bruce Wayne, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, but that's that's going bad and forth. It's not just about who's your favorite Batman. It's like, who's also your favorite Bruce? I, I agree with him, but now that I think about it, it, it that his character wasn't written to be like that Bruce, I don't think. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, you have to judge Bruce. it. Yeah, you have to judge it for it. All, All right. There. What's next? Uh, from down well again. Do you think superhero slash big movies are running ruining film because some people think they take attention from indies and small studios? Only one indie passion OC has mad one B one five superhero alone. Oh, has made one billion fifteen superhero alone over one billion. Thanks. Sorry. Um. No. See and. and this is the thing. Something successful is ruining this. Like, it's just like saying, oh my goodness, the Edmonton Oilers back in the 80s ruined hockey. Why? Because they always won. That didn't ruin hockey, that elevated hockey. Oh, the, you know, I, I, I don't know what team you want to go to. You know, the old uh, Boston Celtics of the Larry Bird era ruined basketball. Why? Because they were so good at it. That That's bad. So now this whole notion of you have a genre of films that audiences love. Audiences love it. Oh, that's a bad thing. It's a bad thing that audiences love that. Oh, it's a bad thing that they make money at the box office for the industry paying for all these indie films to get made and audiences are having a good time man that ruins the film industry no it raises the bar and so no i i don't think it ruins the film industry at all i mean to me what this kind of suggests is a terrible fighter saying these great fighters ruin UFC. These great fighters ruin MMA because they don't make room for me. It's like, no, it just raises the bar. I don't know, Rob, what do you think about well, this? Well, it's just we live in a, 
in a different time. I mean, right now, what has happened with the industry is movies are now being made globally. The studios are making movies that are going to be released around the world. They're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to make them. So the business of movies has totally changed. I do long for the days when a studio would make a Die Hard or a Hunt for Red October or a, fa a Basic Instinct or Fatal Attraction. We used to get a lot more different movies, but they cost like $20 million and $30 million. So studios would do that. Now, and now studios are making a $200 million movie and they expect a billion dollar return. So by definition, the movies that the studios make don't just have to appeal to the widest number of people. They have to appeal to the widest number of people in every country around the world. And that's not, that's why comedies don't, don't get as made as made as much because a lot of comedy is colloquial and doesn't travel around the world. So it's just a different business. And I think that we, as people, as moviegoers, we have different viewing habits as well. And the fact is, you know, the technology didn't exist to make superhero movies the way they did 30 years ago. So now we're getting these great spectacles like Endgame and Infinity War, which we couldn't have had. And I think the idea of studio spectacle films has always been kind of the same. It's just our culture has changed. But look at all the great indie movies that still get made. A24's horror movies or what Jason Blum is doing. Or there's still a lot of great stuff. And look, we never had streaming shows like we have now. And we're getting these great long-form novelistic approaches to book adaptations that might have normally gone to the big screen we're seeing on streaming. So entertainment has just changed. And look, here's the reality, too. It reminds me, when I was in college, started dating this girl. And there was this guy who got mad because he was her ex. And he's like, you know, you stole her from me. So and he was your Kanye West. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, he was my Kanye ye, West. I should say. And he's like, oh, you stole her from me. Like, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, you got to understand this. She did not leave you for me. She left you. Space. Then she got together with me. One had nothing to do with the other. There was never a time that little indie films made tons of money all the time. There are some indie films that make money, but a lot of them don't. That's always been the case pre or post superhero movies. By the way, I just randomly opened the movie release calendar, right? <laughs> randomly opened it, picked a month. I said August, right? I just said August. Look what's coming out. Owen Wilson's Secret Headquarters, Joe Coy's Easter Sunday, an untitled WB event film. Don't know what that is still. We've got The Man from Toronto that we were just talking about with Katie Kugo. We got, these are all wide release, by the way. We got Beast with Idris Elba. Fear uh, with Jessica Elaine. We got The Bride coming in wide release as well. We've got Samaritan coming with Sylvester Ooh, Stallone, which, Sylvester by the superhero way, superhero movie. I that, that is a superhero movie to a degree, yes. I've been excited about that. They showed us a preview. But it's an original Cinemacon, superhero But movie. it's original. Honk for Jesus to Save Your Soul through Gina Hall and Sterling Kane Brown. Look at that. I just pulled up a random month. Tons of original, new idea movies. They're out there. There are tons of them. And they're there. Some of these have never made money at the box office and won't under superhero movies. But here's the thing, too. In, in the whole analogy about, hey, the girl got together with me, she didn't leave you. Here's the thing. People are not not watching indie films because they saw Doctor Strange. It's like, well, I can't watch that indie film now. I watched Doctor Strange. I'm not allowed. To... No, if, if you make a good movie that looks appealing, that's going to appeal to some people, 
they'll go watch Doctor Strange and then they'll go watch your movie. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not causality. So and I'm, I'm so tired, especially hearing from whiny filmmakers sometimes who are like, well, people didn't see my movie because of that movie. No, fuck you. People didn't go see your movie because they weren't interested in your yeah. movie. Had nothing to do with these other movies. And it's really long. And it's, well, yeah, maybe it's really long. Maybe that Some had something to do with it. Well, and also there, if you look at things like Drive My Car, you know, the Japanese yes. film that's on HBO Max now that uh, is in contention for awards. Uh, that's a three-hour-long Japanese movie about art. You know, essentially. Well, also, you know, two people coming with a with trying to deal with their histories and their past. I mean, it's a beautiful film, a beautiful like, movie. But that, I mean, that's some. And look at look at Parasite. You know, winning Best Picture. Yeah, and it got a lot of attention. And so, so yeah, it's yeah. One has nothing. To we're do getting with the other. some cool stuff. Anyway, we're falling behind here. We got to keep moving. Thanks for writing the question down. Well, appreciate that, man. Good topic. What's next? From Zeke, one of two. Hey, John and crew, wanted to shout out my brother Jake and was hoping you guys could wish him a happy twenty third birthday. He's a big fan, and the reason I listen to you guys on the daily, thanks for, and bring on the filthy. Well, Jake, happy, happy birthday, birthday to you, my yeah. friend. Thank you for turning Zeke onto the show as well. 23 years old. That's a great age. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I hope you have a fantastic birthday ahead of you and a fantastic year ahead of you. Have a good one, man. And thanks for sending that in, Zeke. You got a good brother, man. All right, what's next? <laughs> All right, from Lucas. Going back to yesterday, do you th- y'all think Flash moved back to add more cameos to compete with Multiverse of Madness? <laughs> well, I mean... If if that's what they did, then they are amongst the stupidest pieces of shit in the world. I mean, they just proved you are morons if that we did. First of all, you need six months to shoot cameos. Number two, you think the way you compete with Marvel is just by dropping in cameos? So the answer is, since I do not believe Warner Brothers are the stupidest pieces of shit in the world, no. I don't believe that for a second. If they wanted to shoot more cameos, they could have. They could do it this weekend. Mm-hmm. They can make some calls, shoot four cameos this weekend. But no, that's not why they. Unless do. James Wan is actually shooting the war between the Atlanteans and the Amazon Amazons. Well, if they wanted, to like change that was in the Flashpoint thing. I guess. Oh my God, that's the first thing I thought of when they when somebody first started mentioning a couple years ago that there could be Flashpoint. My imagination immediately went to Atlantis versus Amazon, dude. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're doing that. No. Yeah, probably. By the way, I don't think they are. Yeah. But if they did, yeah. it'd be cool. It would be damn cool. All right, what's next? All right, from James. The Adam Project was not as good as Free Guy, in my opinion, but enjoyable. It was typical Ryan Reynolds. Quippy dialogue, fun action, and heartwarming. Um, yeah, see, that's the funny thing. When I hear people say, just typical Ryan Reynolds, what do you mean? Well, quippy, entertaining, funny, heartwarming. So, so good? So, so what you're saying, he's good. He's really good. <laughs> that, that's yeah. what you're saying. Hey, listen, I agree. I don't think the Adam Project is as good as Free Guy. I, 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 cer- I certainly don't. I thought Free Guy is a much better mm-hmm. overall film. Yeah. But for a Netflix film, pretty good. And again, give. Hey, listen, if that's typical Ryan Reynolds, keep giving me more and more typical Yeah, like Ryan in Reynolds. this day and age, try this as an exercise. Every Ryan Reynolds movie is just a variant. The character he's playing is a variant of Van <laughs> Wilder. <laughs> Well, an actor's job oh, is Van Wilder. It's all, it's all Van Wilder. That? It's that's all of it. Like all, all we're supposed to do, really, while we're inhabiting other roles, is an actor's supposed to be consistent. You're supposed to be able to rely on an actor to show up and perform a role. Yeah, that's that's what they're supposed to do at the end of the day. So if he's doing that, and he is, and listen, and if it works, and if it fits the movie you're doing, did that fit with Free Guy? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You you get that movie doesn't work nearly as well if it's anybody else playing that role. I mean, maybe it could to some degree, 
this the reason this movie elevated was because of him and Scoble the kid. I mean, so I'll take it all day, every day. Absolutely. Keep, as long as it's working for the movie or play something different when the role calls for it, like his role in Buried, which he absolutely should have been nominated for an Academy Award for. And that was, of course, Van Wilder, a little older, who got himself in a, <laughs> bit, in a, box. a bit of a problem there. All right. What's next? All right, from Spencer Cooper, watch Chinatown before the Batman. Great movie. So oh, I, I can't remember the last time somebody shouted out Chinatown. I know, and it's, it's so it good. It is a great movie. Yeah, absolutely good. Good on you, Spencer, for calling that one out. All right, Mr. Gitz. From Tacky75, in a few years, I will be hard-pressed to distinguish Uncharted from Red Notice. <laughs> Such bland, unremarkable Indiana Jones ripoffs. I Listen, again, I... I, I look, if I'm going to sit here and tell you why I think Ryan Reynolds is great, and I'll tell you that all day, I will also call out when I when I don't think it worked. Red Notice didn't work. Neither did Six Underground. And neither did Six Underground. Um, and of course, not, that wasn't Ryan Reynolds' fault for either of those. Oh, it was Van Wilder. Or it wasn't Dwayne Duroc Johnson's fault for uh, for Red Notice or, or uh, um, Gal Gadot. It's not her fault either. But it, it just didn't work, and sometimes they don't work. And yeah, Red Notice was definitely one of the... I, Uncharted didn't really work for me, but Ray loved it. I, and I a lot liked of people Red liked Notice, it. and I kind of liked the Oh, Six I didn't know you liked Red Notice. Yeah. I mean, I mean am I, is there something wrong with me or what? No, man, you like what you like. It's, Six it's not that they were awful. Yeah. He's not saying Six Underground, he's saying Red Notice. Yeah, but I, I, both. No, no, both of them. Yeah, I, 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 I oh, you like Six Underground? Yeah. I, oh, mean, I know you liked Uncharted. Yeah, right, I don't well, know. There you go. Hey, there's some good action. I mean, I didn't hate I didn't hate either one of those movies. They were just unremarkable. All right, what's next? All right, from John Redcorn, one of two. I don't know what's more frustrating, watching the current state of the the DC or the current state of the Lakers. And I'm a fan <laughs> of both. Both have potential to be... Well, sorry, uh, sorry, John. It doesn't look like you got your second part in there, unfortunately. Oh, sorry, John. Uh, okay, so we'll go on that. Yeah, I, again, but the current state of DC. 72 hours ago, the current state of DC was looking pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's 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 not forget that. Seventy-two hours ago, we were still basking in the glow of the Joker and all of its Oscar acclaim and billion-dollar film, and the Batman is an absolute triumph, and everybody's loving it, and you know the Flash. People are excited about Black Adam. People. We're getting a Justice Society in Black Adam. I'm getting I'm getting Doctor Fate on he the big screen. By yo, Pierce Brosnan. God, I can't wait. Right. I mean, seventy-two hours ago, the state of DC, and they're about to get great new ownership. The state of DC 72 hours ago looked great. And then typical Warner Brothers DC stuff. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Let's do this here. It's like, what, didn't you know this? Anyway, as far as the state of the Lakers, oh, yeah, they're terrible. I, I think it, the, the, the Russell Westbrook experiment was an absolute disaster. It's unfortunate. I mean, it was good when it when everyone first started talking about it. But sometimes things just don't work out. The pieces don't fit as well as you thought they would. Nope. And those pieces do not fit. All right. What's next? All right. Rocket Size sending in a $5 Super Chat just to support us. Thank, Thank you, Rocket. You. Lucky BX. Hi, crew. Have you guys watched Bel Air yet? A great show with an awesome spin on the 90s classic. My friend does their storyboards. Oh, I did not know that. Brian Frank. Um, Anne's been watching it. Anne loves it. I've seen four or five episodes just because, you know, Anne's watching it. So if I'm going to eat and watch TV, I got to do it with her. You know, it's it's clever. I don't think it's great, but it's it's definitely really cool, different take on the whole Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I've always said this, too. When you really look at the basic idea of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, it is drama. 
a kid living in in a in a harder edge city that the parent is is worried about their safety with the current environment that they live in and sends them to be and live away from them first of all the sacrifice of a mother to send their child away to get their child a better chance in a better future and then a fish out of water cultural kind of story that's drama and this is taking kind of a nice approach to it so they've done a pretty good job all right what's next all right, from Sam Fisher. John, are you actually going to get that Sons of Filthy tattoo? No, I don't do tattoos. I'm not cool enough to pull them off. But if I were to get any tattoo, it would definitely be the Sons of Filthy tattoo. All right, what's next? From Benjamin, love the show. Watching you, since Man of Steel review. HBO is killing it with their shows. Did you check out uh, new shows, Taika Waititi's pirate comedy, Our Flag Means Death, or Mystery of the Tourist? I, I'm, I'm not familiar with The Tourist. Me either. So it's probably awesome if it's HBO. Yeah. And Our Flag is Death is a show I was bonkers excited about until I saw the trailer. And I did not like the trailer. I love Taika Waititi, so I've not checked anything out yet. Rob, I know you're excited to see I, this. I can't wait to see it. I, I, You know, first of all, I love pirates. And it just, I, I thought the trailer, the second trailer especially cracked me up. So if I start singing, I am the very model of a modern, modern major general, general. You know exactly I'm major general right? and a mineral, mineral. and yep. know the kings of England, and I quote the fights historical from Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. Bum, ba, da, bum, bum, All right. Anyway, what's by Pirates of Penzance, by the way. Uh, yes. Pirates of Penzance. That. I played Major General yeah, Stanley on a, in a production. Did you? Uh, the Pirates of Penzance. Yes, I did. Very cool. You when called I was me the song and dance grade. man. Fifth grade, though. I love that. All right. What's next? From and also, chances of Avatar on Movie Club to get ready for Avatar 2. Also, what dreams may come on Movie Club? One of my fave Rob Williams flicks. Probably no. Probably wouldn't be doing what, what dreams may come. Very few people have watched it. But Avatar before Avatar 2 comes out. it's Now watch this. Definite. Watch this, people. So, John. Yes. I have the extended version of Avatar. Would you like to watch the extended version of Avatar for Movie Club? No, thank you. Tell me. It's like extra three hours. It's not an extra three hours, but it, 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 I, I do prefer it. It has a great scene on Earth. You learn a lot more about, about Jake Sully. But we will be doing Avatar once we get closer to Avatar 2 coming out. Absolutely. All right. What's next? All right. From Ray Gora God Butcher. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Love that show. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate that, man. <laughs> All right. What's next? <laughs> My Cin personal troll. Cincinnati's five-star barber again. And Chris, I promise no more pink sack references by at least me. LOL. Everyone's going to keep doing it. Cincinnati, it's fine. And my name <laughs> and is I Lisa love Chris. that you do. FYI. Anyway, appreciate you guys more than words can say. Aw. Aw, thank you so much, Cincinnati. It's always great having you here and writing in. I know, I know you made Ray's day when you first started writing in because Ray's yeah. such a Bengals guy. So that is awesome. Thank you so much for that. And we look forward to many more. All right, what's next? Ben Rayner, do you think Disney prepared for this black backlash coming? I'd like to think so. I have no. Oh, are you talking? If you're talking about the family, oh yeah, 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 you had to. Like you had to know that. Okay, we're gonna make this change. Listen, I remember one meeting in particular. It was me, Dennis Zen, and I can't remember who the third. It might have been, might have been Amy Rose. I can't remember. But it's when we were literally talking about changing the color of the background on our set. And understanding that as soon as we change the color, that color on our set, there is going to be angry people. <laughs> is that and true? You, you think I'm, I'm no, it's absolutely true. <laughs> and, and Dennis and I joke about it all the time. Dennis, Dennis was just over here the other night again, watching UFC with me, but it like, you gotta know when you change anything in media, when you make any change, 
whether it's big like personnel or cast or theme or two little things like the color in the background or microphones or whatever angry you got to be ready for angry angry hippos angry angry email coming in and i remember we got flooded with it when we changed literally changed the color of the background i don't like it as much i'm a customer saying it's like it's just you understand when you're doing this people do not like change people say they like change they don't like change mm. that's just us as human beings and so Yes, when you're Disney and you're about to put TVMA content on Disney+, Plus, again, not something I would have done. I would have put it on Hulu. But when you're doing that, you've got to understand, okay, this is what the fallout will be. Are we ready for that degree of fallout? And how are we going to navigate and manage that fallout? And I guarantee you they absolutely had that planned out. Absolutely had a plan. You had to. Absolutely. All right, what's next? All right, from Harry. Love the show, been following you since AMC and Collider. Thank you, man. This Batman is awesome. Sequel needs Rob's version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This Batman needs to be tested. Bring on the ninjas. Is there not an animated movie? I, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe there's a Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. movie. Mm -hmm. And I think I actually watched some of it. I think it was horrible. But I, I don't know, like, did you see the whole thing? I did not. Okay, but yeah, I knew that was out there. Maybe I'd have to check that out at some point again. All right, thanks for sending that in, Harry. All right, what's next? From Evan. Also, chances of... Oh, no, we read this one already. Oh, okay, um, so yep, there we did. Casey Mack. The boys on June 3rd, and now if rumors are true, we could get Ms. Marvel in June as well. Yeah, I've been hearing that, they, that Ms. Marvel could be coming in June. I'll tell you what, I am very interested in that film. Again, I was there when they announced it at D23 and Kevin Feige was on stage and they made that announcement. I thought that is an interesting one. I never would have thought, especially since Kamal Khan is such a, a new character. You're pretty new. But I know Anne started reading that, Ms. Marvel, the moment they started publishing it. And she was reading it, so she was really excited for it. So Disney, Disney Plus, we got Moon Knight leading into Obi-Wan, leading into Ms. Marvel. So and And they'll probably have something ready to go after that as well. So yeah, we got a lot of good TV. We got a lot of hopefully. stuff to talk about, John. Indeed, we do. All right, what's next? Uh, Spencer Cooper, have you seen Tyka's film Boy? Uh, didn't that come out in like 2010? I, I'm not. I'll be honest. With you, I'm not familiar with that. I don't know. That, I haven't seen that film. So I'm gonna have to say Spencer Cooper. No, but good on you for picking that one up. All right, what's next? Late night alum. Chances of Jar Jar Binks appearing in Kenobi. Bring on the filthy. <laughs> Misa Sith. Um. Yeah. Uh. No. No, although I will say <laughs> in one of the Star Wars novels, uh, I keep, I forget the name of the series, but in one, in one of the Star Wars novels that came out like five or six years ago, there was a series of novels and there was a cutaway scene. Was it an Aftermath book? It was one of the Aftermath. No, no, no. Was it Aftermath? Yeah, it was Aftermath. There was a cutaway scene really unattached to the rest of the story. And it's where Jar Jar Binks is now. And he's a street performer now. And people hate him because they they blamed oh. him for the rise of the empire because it was him in the Senate that made the proposal to give to give the emergency powers to the to the uh, chancellor Chancellor Valorum. who became emperor, and now everybody hates him and he lives a lonely life as a street performer wow. who's constantly mocked and made fun of, and you you forget for a moment that Jar Jar is a fictitious character who is not real well because this also bleeds into how the actor was treated well i mean i'm at best was treated terribly but mm -hmm. like you're reading that 
And Jar Jar Binks is one of the worst characters ever put on screen. Yeah. But you're reading that and you forget for a second that he's not a real person. And suddenly you feel guilty for hating that character so much. <laughs> like the way they wrote that scene, like you really felt amazing empathy for him. Like you feel so bad for him because despite the fact that he's one of the worst characters in the history of cinema, he's a good, per like Jar Jar is a good person. Mm -hmm. He's he's good, he's kind, he's nice. And to see where his life ends up is really sad. Like really, really sad. Anyway, all right, what's next? That was really depressing. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, hi, John and Rob. My dad started to watch Star Trek Picard before Next Generation. Next generation is that okay or not? No. I said it's not, but he didn't listen. Uh, I mean, okay, if you are planning on watching Star Trek Next Generation and Picard, then you definitely have to start with Star Trek Next Generation. If you're like, I have no interest in watching Star Trek Next Generation, and I'm curious to jump in on on a story yeah. now, you, yeah, you can do it, but I, I think it would be much more beneficial. Were you to watch or uh, Next Generation? First. I mean, I mean, Star Trek Picard season two is a greatest hits remix of Next Generation. It has the Borg, it has Q, it has alternate timelines, it has the Stargazer. If you hadn't, if you had no context, I guess all that would be new. But you wouldn't have the context of what that is in the first place. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I, I would look. Is it, is it an absolute necessity that they have to? No. But I think it would be very beneficial if he started with that. All right, what's next? Uh, from Casey Mack, May and June will be very busy when it comes to streaming shows. You got Obi-Wan Kenobi on May 25th, Stranger Things Part 1 on May 27th. Oh, is that when Stranger Things debuts? Wow. Hey. We got so much Now we got coming. Ozark Ooh. Part 2 of Season 4. Yeah, and I, I haven't been watching Ozark. We're going to have I to mean, watch so much TV. There's a lot of good stuff out there, which Ooh. is part of the reason why we need some more staff, I think. All right, what's next? To watch for us? <laughs> <laughs> Walter Whitewalker, the first five of six God of War games have an amazing and tragic story. Would be a missed opportunity if they don't include what happened to his family in the series. Nah, no, it wouldn't. I mean, you're right. The, the backstory of Kratos, especially like the start with his family, how he became what he was. And yes, that is all interesting. But who cares? I mean, look, you there, well, there could be great backstory about every, like, listen, you could say there was great, fascinating backstory to Indiana Jones before the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Was it a missed opportunity not to go back there? No, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a great place to jump in. And while I think you would have to do some flashback and give some backstory a little bit. Don't you have to deal with the Greek gods and Ares and all that stuff? No, not at all. But isn't that integral to the whole god of war you just have to reveal it in the show moving forward but that if you're a good storyteller you can give that information without having to jump in i, I just and, and i think if you're you're a poor storyteller if you can't do it but that was that first game was so good I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't i'm not saying it wasn't but the the crown jewel in this entire thing is the most recent game that's the crown jewel and that's the one that had the best story. And that's the one that won all the awards. No, and that's the one. And and you can do that and jump right in. Like, Anne's been watching me muddle my way through trying to play the game now, right? And she's already instantly taken with it. So okay, so what's this? But you can give that. Like, when you watch uh, Rambo. Sorry, let me rephrase. When you watch First Blood, right? 
They don't have to start with a movie of John J. Rambo in Vietnam and do all that, and then you do First Blood. They communicate all the important things you need to know about him and what happened to him previously and who and what he is while telling this new story. And I think that's what they have to do with God of War. They have to First Blood it. You don't start with that earlier stuff, but you do let the audience know about it in the course of your storytelling. At least that's what I, like you didn't, when you started with The Next Generation, we didn't first have to have a season of Picard on the Stargazer. No, right? no, but that but those that original game is really cool. Oh, I'm not saying it's not. And that, yeah, I mean, if you're I'm doing multiple seasons of a TV show, you know. But I mean, this, this game alone, there's multiple seasons you could do sure. with this one game alone. That Plus, they got the new game coming out here soon with Ragnarok. So, I, I don't know. Look, I'm not definitely not saying there's not a good show that can be made there. I just don't think that's the best place to start. I, I think this is the best place to start, and you start off you start off strong. So, but and, but who knows? They might very well do that. They might very well go right back to game one. So, and I'm sure they'll do a good job if they do. All right, what's next? From J Master, hey John and Rob. Fun fact: in the Obi Wan Kenobi trailer, the Inquisitor with the wide hand headpiece is actually the fifth brother from Rebels, being played by Sung Kang. Justice for Han. Uh, yeah, because you, I mean, you, you only see him for a moment. I didn't know that was Sung Kang. I didn't know that was him. But you do only see him for a moment in that. Uh, and that look is actually pretty good. I'm still iffy on the look of the Grand Inquisitor, but I think the character is going to be great. I just, I'm just not thrilled with the look. Of the yeah, character. well, I mean, I'll have to wait and see in context. But I showed Anne the trailer for the first time. Man, that monologue, that dialogue that, that's, that goes over it, and he's saying, the key to hunting Jedi patience the jedi code is like an itch they have to follow i mean it's just all i know john is between obi-wan in may and dr strange in may the the hot toys (laughs) pre-orders i can't even all right what's next all right from jacob james thoughts on david lynch director of blue velvet and dune being cast in steven spielberg's the fablemans (laughs) i i i know this i love this idea i don't know why that is or who he's playing <laughs> i just you know between his weather reports directing the the twin peaks the return and being in spielberg's new movie come on david lynch is a national treasure <laughs> all right what's next all right from jeremy one four four seven one three one of three hey y'all longtime fans since amc thanks for the hours I remember John was leaving AMC and it sucked like watching a divorce. And then you made the special announcement video basically saying bye. And you pulled off the greatest scheme, plot twist, Avengers level stuff and said assemble. And everyone here is coming with me to Collider. (laughs) I remember being so happy seeing all y'all staying together. You worked us like a, you worked us like a fiddle. God bless. Well, thank you for that, Jeremy. But I mean, to be clear, um, it, it honestly wasn't a work. The way that all kind of happened and transpired was um, something went down at AMC. I mean, everything at AMC was humming. Like, we were winning awards. Our traffic was bigger than ever. Uh, we had all this good stuff happening. And then the HR department at AMC being the bunch of filthy idiots that they were. Um, kind of ruined it. And they started by firing my boss for absolute brain dead, you are the height of incompetence fucking morons reasons. 
And then it just went from there. And I finally, I, I talked to the CEO of the company. I talked to our vice president and I said, I'm done. I cannot stay in this company. There's a lot of people there I loved. I loved the CEO at the time and I loved my vice president. I did, but I said, I cannot stay here and I will not stay here. And so I submitted my resignation, but I gave them a full month. I gave them a full month's notice because I didn't want to leave them high and dry. So I gave them my, a one month's notice. And during that month, that is when I started to consider what was I going to do next? What were my options? And I fielded a lot of offers and I picked one. I picked an offer. And then I got contacted by somebody over Collider and Complex because Collider, the website, had just been purchased by Complex, the big, the big company. And they got a hold of me and they said, well, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I think I've decided that I'm doing this. I was going to accept this one other offer. And they said, before you do anything, talk to the people at Complex because they just bought Collider. Talk to them. So I said, all right. So I went and talked to the people at Complex. I talked to their chief financial officer at Complex. And they gave me a great pitch to start a movie news video thing for Complex's Collider. I'm like, all right, you know what? I think, all right, they, they sold me on it. I'm like, great. So then, oops, so then <laughs> I go and talk. I'm, I'm having a conversation with the chief marketing officer of AMC, who, who I was on really good terms with. And he's like, so have you decided what you're doing? I said, yeah, I think I'm going to go and start a movie news thing over here. And that's when he told me, okay, how would you feel about taking the whole operation with you? I said, what do you mean? He says, like, at AMC, we just don't think AMC movie news can survive without you there and you're leaving. And so I think we're probably going to shut it down. What would you think about taking it over and they were wrong, by the way, because Dennis Zen was still going to be there. And Dennis Zen absolutely could have continued to run that. But they had made the decision they were probably going to shut it down. So then they said to me, how would you feel about taking the whole operation with you over there? And we, AMC Theaters, will become a sponsor of your new movie news show over at Complex Collider. I said, well, that's interesting. Let me talk to Complex about it. I went and talked to the CFO at Complex, proposed it. They were interested in the idea, so I connected those two to see if they could work out terms, and they worked out terms, and then, yes, right when it was almost time for me to finally leave, I said, okay, guys, I announced I was leaving AMC, but as it turns out, I'm bringing everybody with me, and that's when we made the announcement, but it wasn't a work. It was not It was not planned all along. It was not like that, so. Still, that's a pretty baller move, dude. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the background. That's the background of how all that kind Nicely of done. Uh, transparent and worked out. And then we met. And then we met while we were there. <laughs> All right. Snap dragged me in off the street. What's next? All right. From Jer well, we just did that one. John Redcord's. Oh, there's his two of two. Oh, there it is. It got um, hidden in there. Okay. Great, but it's just one dumb decision after another with the people in charge. Again, that was us talking about Warner Brothers. Yeah, 72 hours ago it wasn't. 72 yeah. hours ago it was like, oh my God, they're getting their shit together. And then all of a sudden it changed. Yeah. All right. What's next? From Savage McFilthy. Been wanting to send you, th you this. You call Michael Keaton Michael Douglas sometimes before correcting yourself, but you're not wrong. Look up his real name. Is Michael Keaton's real name Michael Douglas? I mean, that was smart to change it. Yeah, it would be very <laughs> smart. Actually, SAG after was not going to let that stand. One of my one of my first really good friends in L.A. when I came here was and a guy who edited my first movie. His name is Chuck Norris. That's that's Chuck's real name. It's Chuck Norris. This is his real name. Uh, amazing guy, fantastic editor, works on a lot of big films now and everything too. But 
I remember once, you know, talking about, it's like, do you ever think about maybe changing your name? He goes, no, nah, man, you know what Chuck Norris's real name is? And we're like, no. And he, and he told us like, Chuck, Chuck Norris is not Chuck Norris's real name. He goes, so fuck that guy. My real name is Chuck Norris. I'm keeping my name. So it's like, yeah, there it goes. All right. What's next? All right, from Mufasa. Watch the Adam Project. As a guy who lost his dad at 15, I was bawling like a baby. Oh, Mufasa. There are really, truly good emotional moments there in this are. movie. Regarding the, the dad and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And you're right. They did do that really, really well, Mufasa. That's one of the strengths of the film for sure. Glad you liked it, man. All right, what's next? Mikey sends this in. I really hope any Daredevil's revival that happens is similar in tone to the original Netflix series. By adding parental controls to Disney+, Plus, I just don't see a reason to not do that. Would be a shot missed. No, I think you can absolutely do Daredevil and do it hard, hard gritty PG-13. Look, the Batman just proved that. The Batman just proved you can still be dark and gritty and, and violent, but still be within the realm of what PG-13 is and not TVMA. And so I have very, I think you and I differ on this, Rob, because I think that if they do a new Daredevil series, I don't think it'll be behind the parental control wall. I, I think they'll do it. Because no, look at I mean, Moon Knight. Look at yeah, Moon Knight, they, right? Yeah, they said Moon Knight. I mean, Kevin Feige himself said, it's brutal, but it's not going to be, at least we, we don't think it is. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. From Pirastros. I think uh, it's Blake. Oh, Blake. When's the Jaws movie club? Loving that show. I think Jaws will be. I brought that our, up to you. Yep. Yeah. Jaws, I think at some point will be. it. I, I don't know when, but Jaws will absolutely be a movie club. We'll have to do sure. another poll. I think that poll worked well. Yeah. And by the way, when I mentioned that we the next movie we're going to do in movie club is Django Unchained is because we put up a poll for only like five minutes, but we put up a poll on my Twitter and it, it got like over a thousand votes registered, but and the, the winner of that vote was Django Unchained. We'll probably we're not gonna do that every week, but I think from time to time we'll do that. But that's why Django's gonna be nice. But yes, at some point we will do Jaws. All right, what's next? Now Piastros. Uh yo, crew, the video game IP takeover has begun. You have any under the radar faves you wouldn't mind seeing a studio try to make? Ooh. I mean Panzer Dragoon Orta. I bless you. Uh, I'm not kidding, by the way. Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that, <laughs> I think there's some real good potential. There. Here's the problem. Even with a lot of great games, everybody says, the story in this game is it's not, not cinematic. But every once in a while, there are some games that are. And I think Ghost is one yeah. of the ones that can be. By the way, I have an excellent six-scale figure. A six-scale figure of that? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's amazing. You got to send me a picture of it. I'd it's love amazing. To see it. All right. Dude, what about you? Like, do you have anyone that you would think would be good? I mean, I played Lunar. That's fun. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Lots of dragons and things. Uh, I, I mostly play Pokemon Snap, y'all. I'm going to be real honest. When I'm trying to unwind these days, I just play Pokemon Snap. I'm like, oh, I just want to take photos of mythical creatures. And I don't need a movie of that. By the way, I, I <laughs> It Takes Two would make a great family film. <gasps> that would be a really cute one. It Takes Two would absolutely mm -hmm. make a great family film. I was about to say, there... Maybe Animal Crossing will make it to the big screen for some reason. They'll create. But is there a, really a narrative? They'll there? create. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They'll There's create an a story behind film of it. it. Oh, there is. Like I think there was some like video on demand. Kind but of it, that game is stupidly popular. You you know what game would be cool on the big screen? Um, the is it called Shadow of the Colossus? The one yeah. I was yeah, 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 like, yeah. Yeah. Shadow yeah. Of the Colossus. where he's where he's like uh, 
uh, yeah. taking down those big uh, yeah. earth monsters. Yeah. Which is really cool about that game is that it all revolves around the environment. Like the 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 monsters are like have grass for hair and stuff like that, right? Oh, I love shit. If yeah, I remember I, it correctly. I, I want that for I want Ico and uh 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 Shadow Colossus for PlayStation 5. Please give me those upgrades. Please, please, please. All right, what's next? All right, from Wilson. You've been saying it, and I've been telling everyone that Kingpin and Daredevil were variants. Does this decision help or hurt beloved characters? Bring on the filthy. Well, I mean, look, as much as I've been saying that's what I think they are, let's be very, very clear. Uh, Kevin Feige hasn't said anything definitive yet. Now, yes, I do believe that Charlie Cox's recent statements kind of lend more to the idea that they are different versions of the character, very, very similar, yet different. Um, but I don't think that hurts, if that is the way they go, if that's the way they go, I don't think that hurts anything at all. If, if anything, it's the best of both worlds. You bring over the things that work great and you change the things that didn't work great. You say, yeah, yeah, here's Foggy, whatever, but we haven't met Iron Fist yet. Now, now, now Zac Efron is Iron Fist. or Maybe Matt Murdock's just a lawyer. And that's all he'll ever be. I, I, but when you watch Spider-Man, I mean, I don't know if he's just a lawyer. but maybe He's maybe, a really good lawyer. Because yeah, <laughs> I'm a really good lawyer. I don't know, but listen, it's possible at this point he hasn't taken on the Daredevil moniker yet. Maybe he's still stealing himself and readying for the mission. I mean, I don't know. All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Wilson. What's next? All right. From Mark Neto. Saw The Atom Project and Picard 2 this morning. Thought The Atom Project was good. Picard was interesting. I, I haven't seen the second episode yet. I, 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 I know I quite enjoyed the first episode, Same. like quite a bit. You did too? I did. I, I mean, I thought it was quite good, but you know, first episode, not not terribly hard to, to make a first episode look interesting. The proof is in the pudding. The rubber meets the road when you start to see the story un, mm -hmm. un, unfold. So then we'll see where we go with that. All right, what's next? All right. From Michael Johnston. Hey, John and crew, I've been binging every single Twilight Zone series wow. and wondered what your thoughts are overall. Nothing beats the original for me, but the 80s series had its episodes. Straight up, I never watched the 80s series. Dude, I'm a huge fan, at least of the first two seasons of the 80s Twilight Zone. There are some amazing episodes. Nightcrawlers, directed by Exorcist director William Friedkin. Uh, there are so many good episodes. A Message from Charity. So many good ones. But I'll tell you what, some of the... Now, even the, the Shadow Man, directed by Joe Dante. The original series was a little hit and miss. But there are some episodes. Like We talk a lot about the uh, Taki Tina episode. Ugh. That still freaks me the hell out. Mm -hmm. That Taki Tina episode still freaks me the hell yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the two biggest influences in my entire life are the original Star Trek and the original Twilight Zone. Really? I, 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 those are, when I was a kid, that's all I ever wanted to watch. That and also The Outer Limits. Uh, I didn't care about kid shows at all. I just, uh, but the 80s revival of The Twilight Zone uh, is actually quite good. And then Michael Straczynski, who uh, created Babylon 5, took over on the third season because they rounded out their syndication package. But what was really great about the 80s Twilight Zone is like the original, they had a lot of, they adapted a lot of, uh, horror writers and store previously existing stories. And it was, there's some really, really good episodes. The only problem with the mid eighties twilight zone is it was all, they did all the post-production on video. They shot the episodes on film. So there's a lot of really cheesy video toaster effects that are incredibly dated. All right. What's next? All right. Orange hand. 
My kid saw you in Django, Samuel L. Jackson, and now she won't stop saying the N-word. You took your kid to see Django? <laughs> I, I think I heard that story before. <laughs> yeah, that's the first question. It's like, wait a yeah. minute. You took your kid to see Django? I think I remember hearing that story before. That is classic Samuel L. Jackson. By the way, he's got that new movie coming out called The Final... Final Days of uh, Ptolemy Gray? Is that his name? So On Apple maybe, TV? Yeah, the name of the character. Yeah. The Final Days of which... I saw the trail. I was like, oh, try it. That looks really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I love Samuel Jackson. Oh, he's great. Ever since I saw him in The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, he like was I, great in that. And then, of course, he's the hold on to your butts guy in Jurassic Park. You know, yeah. it's funny. When I first watched The Protégé, I was like, you you killed him? Like I, I, I know. Don't, don't give too much away. Yeah, I, but I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, and then, of course, okay. All right. What's next? All right. From Raymond Verrata. Please talk more about Star Trek, even if it's just the classic Trek or TNG era. I feel this is just a Star Wars only show, like Marvel versus DC fans. What? How often do we actually talk about Star Wars here? Like, honestly, like the Obi-Wan trailer drops and we talk about. Oh, look, I agree with Raymond. When there's stuff. <laughs> when they, look, here's the here's the thing, though. You're you scared of me talking about Star Trek. Face it. Come on. Admit it. Well. I'll, I'll be, I'm just tired of hearing you talk about Star Trek. No, 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 like when, when Next Generation topics are up, then I'm, I, I could sit down with a ball of popcorn and listen to you talk about Star, classic Star Trek forever. But, I mean, th that's the thing, though. Like, the Jean Campion show is a current events thing. It's like, right. if there is news about Next Generation, we will talk about it. If there is news about the classic series, we will talk about it. However... We now have Movie Club that is meant to be talking about older things. And we are going to be introducing some other things as well that will bring up some opportunities for that. But on the John Campbell show, there actually has to be a topic that comes up for us but to talk about. But interestingly enough, for the first time, there are two live-action Star Trek shows airing now. Picard and the end of season four, Discovery. And then we've got and Strange, New, Strange New, Worlds, New Worlds, which I which finally watched the trailer for last night. I have high hopes. I thought it looked great. Yeah, unfortunately, Anthony Akiva Goldsman's writing it again. But yeah, I mean, look, it looks, I hope it's good. And they say it, it's, a re, it's a return to episodic, like the original series. Right. I hope it's good. I, I just. It looked good. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. What's next? All right. From Steve. Django is an incredible movie. I love how Leo kept acting after he cut himself. I heard it wasn't part of the original plan. Bring on the filthy. That is one of the coolest stories that came out of that. That whole scene with his hand cut, that was all ad-libbed. He accidentally cut his hand and just kept going. And Tarantino had the senses about him. Just keep this rolling. Keep, don't stop. Just keep this rolling. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more he's about that. He's so... He, was it Calvin Candy? Is that his name? Yeah. He's so good in that movie. What's what's the line again? You had my... First you had my attention. Curiosity? Now you have my curiosity. Or just you have my reverse. curiosity. Now you have my attention. Is that, is yeah, that the yeah, line? Yeah, yeah. I think what... The way Leo delivers that line, too. Everybody so in that movie is so good. Mm -hmm. Samuel... Well, but we were just talking about Samuel Jackson. That truly is, I think, one of his best performances. Like, I, I so buy into that character, like, like 9,000. Like, it's absolutely crazy. All right, what's next? Don Johnson power. <laughs> uh, right from MP, one of two. John, cast Idris Elba, don't let me stop the broccolis. But I'll say, if James Bond's born of a Scotsman and Swiss mother from the early 1900s in Skyfall, that's one pale-looking human, just saying. Might be the most inherently white character. I mean, it all depends on what you say his parental background is, yeah. which is, quite frankly, completely irrelevant to the to who Bond is. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. In this Bond, his parents are this. It is not an important distinction to say his parents are somebody else. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not an important thing. So, 
Yeah, look, again, with James Bond, there are characters that this is not true of. There are many characters that this is not true. But James Bond, the color of his skin is completely irrelevant to the core DNA of who and what James Bond is. It's not important. So if you change that, go for it. However, I will say, and this is not true of many other characters, the, for lack of a better term, the maleness of James Bond is on a DNA level, a core part of who and what that character is more than most. So I would say absolutely James Bond can be played by any ethnicity. It doesn't matter. I think you can absolutely have female super spy movies, but I do not think you can have a Jane Bond movie. No. But, and have, apparently Barbara yeah. Broccoli feels that way as well. You can have you a say? 006 moniker. Yes. And I think that's the difference here. I mean, yeah. I would watch the, the the protege. I wish they'd make a series of films about her. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, uh, I so enjoyed it. And protege. Martin Campbell, who directed both Goldeneye and, and Casino Royale, directed that. Although I will say, uh, speaking of uh, a lot of good films have weak endings. I thought the ending of protege was terrible. The thing up in the window and like that whole thing, that was just a dumb ending. But I still oh, really oh, like You mean movie. that's the very end? Yeah, yeah. The very, I thought the way yeah. that they wrapped up that, that movie. Well, I didn't, I was like, what? What? That yeah. was very unsatisfying. I totally agree. But for, the movie. For a very satisfying movie. A very satisfying movie. I yeah. really liked the protege a lot. All right. What's next? All right. From Walter Whitewalker again. There can easily be three or four seasons before the events of the 2018 game. Um, but talking but about sure, War. but that that's true of anything. There could easily be three or four seasons before the actual first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. There could easily be three or four seasons of anything. Just because there you could do that doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Uh, I think that you just pick up right with the 2018 games. You're absolutely right, right, Walter. No doubt, you could. But that's not the smart thing to do. I, I just don't think that would be the smart thing. I'm to do. still In back life. about cooking meth for the Night's King. <laughs> Jeez. All right, what's well, next? Well, Walter White Walker. I know, I know. What's next? <laughs> Brian O'Neill Singleton. Hydra had targeted Mark Spector in California, Winter Soldier. Did they know he would be Moon Knight Me or Captain America? America? <laughs> um, Captain America, Winter <laughs> Soldier. Did they know he would be Moon Knight? Bring on the filthy. Was, sure, was right? Mark Spector one of the names mentioned by the Hydra agent? I don't know. Because I remember he does. He goes, starts running through names, and one of them is Stephen Strange. Which was really weird because there was no Stephen Strange yet. But I can't remember. Was Mark Spector one of the names? I don't remember. I, I, don't, I don't remember that it might either. Have been, it might have been on a sheet or if something. If he did, that's a really great call on that. that, Brian. I, I'll have to go back and check that out. All right. What's next? All right. From Matt, update on the movie club meeting you and Rob had? Well, yes. We, we can tell you that the next one is going to be Django Unchained. And then we have decided probably for the next couple of months. But we will tell you about those ones a little bit later. All right. What's next? Uh, Jimin Carter. Movie mashups Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Megamind. Oh, Remember the attack good. on Titans. I've heard that one before. Teenage Mutant Ninja Eternals. Oh, God. <laughs> I like that. The that long... would be a dope movie, actually. <laughs> I'd watch it. The... Yeah, um, I'd watch it. Oh, I need the... Oh, the yes. John, sorry. Uh, the Long Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Goodnight, City of the Edge of Tomorrowland. Oh, actually, that's kind of a clever one. City on the Edge of Tomorrowland. I like that one. <laughs> All right, guys. But you're mixing TV with movies. Yeah. Just saying. And that'll do it 
for this installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much, guys, for being here and making this show part of your day. Don't forget to subscribe and click on the like button. That helps the videos a lot. And thank you to everyone who sent in live comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campy Show, thank you guys so very much for that support. I want to thank everybody in the room here with me going around. We got Robert Meyer Burnett. We got Ray Aura. We got Chris Carr. We got myself, John Campion. That'll do it for us, guys. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.